Do you remember what you said in the note? Um, I think it, it was pretty brief. I, I didn't write like a long manifesto yeah. or anything. It was basically like uh, a lot of just like, you know, this isn't your guys' fault. Like, yeah. uh, I'm just a burden. And I think I said, so I remember saying something like, uh, you're not losing me. You're losing like this version of me that is just a burden and is sad. And like, I'm, I'm like not me anymore right and you'll be better off without me basically yeah just trying to like tell them like it's fine you're not losing me you're losing this like sad bitch that right is making yeah. all your lives worth worse right. you know like i'm not even a person that's how i felt i felt like i wasn't even a person like i was just like this empty shell that was crying all the time that no one could help Hey everyone, welcome to Leaving the Tribe, I'm Tom Goss, uh, a show about people who left establish- establishment, ideology, uh, structure, a way of thinking, uh, a group, and tried to change. Um, today's episode is with Nicole Buchanan uh, from Screw Ups Podcast, listen to Screw Ups Podcast, uh, and she's also been on... Comedy Central's Roast Battle. She wrote for Historical Roast on Netflix, which will be out this month. Um, and we talked about suicide. And if you might be going, well, what is, what, what, the, how's that a tribe? It's literally leaving all the tribes. It's leaving everything, you know? Uh, and I want to do these episodes occasionally to talk about this kind of stuff. Because I think it's it's interesting and it pertains to me and I think it pertains to a lot of people. You know, it won't be, not every single episode will be uh, uh, this speed, of course, you know, but occasionally I want to bring in people to talk about this stuff because it's, uh, it's important and she, she did a really great job talking about it. Um, it was it was helpful for me to talk about it and I, I I'm very thankful she was able to do it. So please follow her at Nicole Buchanan, Twitter and Instagram. Uh she's a phenomenal comedian and you should you should follow her. You can follow the podcast at Leaving Tribe Pod at Leaving Tribe Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at Gosgos Six. Uh if you enjoy any of these episodes, please follow the guests. That's one way you can support the show. And reach out to them. Tell them you enjoyed their episode and if you're related to them. I appreciate you guys telling me too, but tell them. They're, they're the one who shared their story. Uh, that's important to me. Um, you know, if you're debating, don't it. Just yeah, do it. It's 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 fine. But And I appreciate you guys telling me, but tell, tell them. They're the ones who are vulnerable and open and honest. You know, I'm just I'm just facilitating this show. Um, thank you to the people who who have told me that they're enjoying the show as much as they are. Um, and if you do enjoy the show, please leave an iTunes review. We're up on iTunes. And uh, do I care about the ratings and reviews? I I don't. But it makes the show look more professional. And shows that people listen, and it helps me get bigger guests. I have bucket list guests that I want to bring in, you know. And it's hard to pitch if they look and go, oh, okay, three ratings, reviews. Uh, and I want to, you know, but if if more people do it, the bigger the guests I can get, the more people want to do it. 
And um, so that's the only reason I give a shit about uh, the ratings and reviews. Um, and thank you to the people who already left one. Um, this, this, yeah, this show, I'm enjoying the show so much and I can't believe how supportive, uh, so many of you have been and, uh, the things you've told me who've reached out to me and I absolutely appreciate it. And, and thank you, uh, so much for listening. Um, and, uh, enjoy this episode. This is a long one. (laughs) I, I should cut this intro because it's already it's the longest one we've done so far. It's over two hours, but it's it's good and it's different. I'm trying to bring in different variety to the show, and this one's different and uh, it's good and it's worth it's worth the uh, the two hours of uh, of listening that you're you're about to receive. Um, and yeah, thank you all. Oh, if you, um, also shout out to uh, Full Ninety Design. They made the art for this, and it looks great. I originally had a very complicated idea for what the artwork should be, that was impractical for uh, iTunes art. And um, the the Full Ninety, the the guy who runs it, he within it felt like within minutes he was like, "Here's five different options." He works fast, he works effectively, and um, if you need freelance artwork done, uh, or just artwork in general, he's so easy to work with. Uh, You can email him at full90design at gmail.com. I think that's it for the plugs, and once again, thank you. Thank you for listening. Very much appreciate it. And last thing I'll say, the biggest the biggest way you want to support the show, tell a friend. If they if you if you have a friend that you think this show is relatable to, tell them. Uh, tell them about it. And that's the biggest way you can uh, you can support the show because uh, a lot of podcasts is word of mouth. And uh, thank you f- to the people who already have. Um, this is it's been great feedback so far so thank all of you and uh, yeah enjoy today's episode with my very good friend Nicole Buchanan I'm super public about everything yeah (laughs) it's almost a problem but why is it almost a problem that you're public about everything um Well, it's not a problem when it comes to, like, myself, but, like, I have a podcast and there have been times where I have said too much about maybe, like, somebody else. Right. (laughs) Uh, And they're like, okay, you can say, like, what you want about you, but, like, leave me. It was my dad. (laughs) My dad was like, leave us out of it. Yeah, keep us out of it. Uh, Scrubs is a fun fun show. Thank you. Yeah. We're... uh, you know, finding our groove more and more, and it's been really fun. And yeah. I like it a lot, yeah. Yeah, no. Everyone's so different. Every guest is so different. Like, we were talking about, like, the vibe of a podcast. Like, I feel like each episode has its own vibe because of our podcast because uh, there's so many different types of people and different types of screw-ups right. that they've had in their lives. Like, some of them are just, like, very, like, silly. Some of them are comedy-related. Right. Some of them are, like, uh, really dark. Some of them... The, God, the last one we had was fucked up. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it was it w- not like fucked up. And like the guy was, he talked about 
how he was like trying to get pussy after a show uh-huh. and was like, it, but then she he didn't know the the girl had a kid and so he showed up and the girl had a kid and then like uh and then he ended up like having to hide because the dad was like knocking on the door and was like open the fuck up like if you have someone you know that art did you oh, ever not see that just a kid but a, a boyfriend or husband <laughs> yeah yeah well uh, i think it was an ex or something but he was like knocking on the door and like threatening to kill him or whatever yeah did you ever see the r kelly like trapped in the closet thing long time it reminded ago. me of that <laughs> anyway so he's trying to like convince her to have sex with him still like with the kid in what? the and it, it, it turns they ended up having sex with the kid in the bed like next what? to them yeah <laughs> i don't think i could ever do that and he kept calling it a baby but then, then he was like yeah he was like seven or eight and he, i was like what the he fuck was 15 you just traumatized <laughs> the kid. you just fucked his mom in front of him but you know we both know keith and that stuff happens yeah. <laughs> they turn into i was like i was like that kid's gonna be a comic for sure yeah no that's a that's definitely a comic story yeah <laughs> comic stories can i can i tell you and you uh, you probably one of my favorite favorite moments hanging out with you because we're friends yeah was after carbon bar and you're you're drunk and we went to raising canes <laughs> yeah. and you went you went to get more cane sauce because it's so good and i'd already <laughs> eat all my food and you were you were like you had been like philandering you know just being drunk and fun and having a good time and yeah. i just switched my plate with your <laughs> plate which is you know it's, it's a good like, bit it's a, it's a good bit <laughs> i i wasn't it's expecting cute. That you would come back and be like, "Where's my food?" I was and then so you started, confused. You started crying immediately and laughing at the same time because you were you were drunk, but you just kept going. I don't know where the food. <laughs> who has my food? And then I figured you, it out, and I realized what a fucking idiot I was. And you I, didn't figure it out. I oh, switched. You told the, me? I, yeah, I told you, but you were also you were drunk. I remember laughing really, really hard. I was laughing really, really hard because I. For sure, did not think that was gonna. I uh, I underestimated how drunk you were. That was a very fun. I was really drunk. You know what's funny is you never know what you're gonna. I can be like a really fun drunk, but I I usually am a really sad drunk. Yeah. But, uh, it. You know what? It, like that's why sometimes I have to stop drinking because like when I drink, it brings out whatever I'm feeling. Like if I'm in a good yeah. place like i'm yeah. a really if i'm in a bad place and i drink it brings that out so it turns whatever emotion you're at to 11 right and yeah. so i i really have to do a deep inventory before i drink like why am i drinking am i feeling okay right. am i having a good time or is this just gonna make things worse yeah <laughs> yeah which is good you're doing the inventory uh yeah or else i would just have to be sober all the time which couldn't hurt but you know. Yeah, it's not the it's not the end of the world. Yeah. I mean, I was like completely sober for a year now. I'll have an occasional drink on the on the road. Oh, you do have an occasional drink now. Occasional, yeah, yeah. occasional drink. It's, but it's weird because it's hard to know whether like someone is an alcoholic or just going through a rough time. Yeah, well, I think a lot of times they can be they can end up being. It one can like the going through a rough time can other. turn into. Yeah. An alcohol problem. Yeah. Why are you wonder? Are you wondering if you're an alcoholic now? Not me. Okay. Uh, I gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. No. Yeah. No. No. We, I. I mean, I've talked about this on my podcast. And we talk about it very openly. But yeah, my. Uh, you know, my boyfriend. Sometimes I wonder if, because when I first met him, like a, a few years ago, um, he was drinking a lot, right. and it and it was. And he's told me at this point that because it was when he first moved here that it was like a social anxiety thing. And 
he didn't think people would like him and so he would like uh-huh. get drunk all the time and he thought he was like more likable when he was drunk or whatever right. because i think he learned that he was in a fraternity in college and in that like uh, atmosphere like the more you drink the more liked you yeah. are you know and yeah, so he came out sure. here and he's just like getting drunk and then like and then he was like and then i realized that people liked me despite the fact that i was drinking a lot and not because i was like yes very good well but done. you know yeah. it's hard because like i still get like scared when he gets like very because it's not like he's getting super drunk all the time but when he does it like i'm like uh am i getting in a relationship with an alcoholic but right. like you know well it's good that you're i mean it sounds like you guys are talking about it and oh we talk to about it endlessly <laughs> ah. i i mean like i just i like both of us i feel like he's a very open book too we're both very similar in that aspect so we're very communicative i guess which uh, is to the point where our whole relationship is probably just talking about that kind of stuff but you know whatever it's good there's worse relationships out there for sure i'd rather we communicate too much than too little little. absolutely (laughs) i 100 percent agree with that it just sometimes i want to be like more mysterious I think like I like I want to be like mysterious and sexy, but instead I'm just like, here's all my psychological problems, and yeah. uh, <laughs> if you can deal with it, I guess deal with See, it. See, I go straight to uh, mysterious and sexy, and it's not. No, I don't. Uh, no, I. You are pretty mysterious. I feel like I mean now because like I know a lot about you, but I feel like if like someone were to meet you and date you, like you would come off as pretty mysterious. You know what it is? I'm an open book that no one can read. Yeah. <laughs> so accurate that's <laughs> <laughs> so funny <laughs> uh, you, i'm very honest about everything but that doesn't seem to help anyone figure me out do you like i i feel like i have a really like a some i feel like i'm an open book but sometimes i have a hard time articulate like i'm like if i told you how i was feeling right now you wouldn't understand like and yeah. i don't know i have a hard time articulating what i'm feeling uh, like before I left today, like I was just like sitting and staring at the wall or something. And Zach was like, are you, and Zach's my boyfriend. He was like, are you sad? And I was like, no. And he was like, are you annoyed? And I was like, no. And he was like, are, are you, you plotting? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, what? And I was like, he's like, what are you feeling right now? And I was like, nothing. I feel nothing. That's, that's <laughs> and, uh, one of the, yeah, that's one of the weirdest feelings. Yeah. Is just feeling the void. <laughs> and he was like, the scariest one. Why can't you just tell me what you're feeling right now? And I was like, I legit just can't you just let me feel nothing? Like, yeah. I feel nothing. <laughs> I promise I'm being honest. No, it's just, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's more confusing. It's, yeah. I mean, that's what I feel probably most of the time. Just like empty and nothingness. Yeah. You know? I mean, that, that, that is i think that is part of depression is that is that your is that your diagnosis depression oh uh, god i've had like i've had like three or four different diagnoses uh-huh. <laughs> uh diagnosis is at first it was just depression uh-huh. and then it was bipolar and then it was bpd and then it was depression mixed with add uh-huh. which is i think the most uh, accurate, accurate because uh the depression and then the ADD mimics some of the like bipolar and stuff yeah, like that kind of right. um things. So, and so Prozac and like Adderall have been like the two that have really helped me the most. Uh huh. Fun fact: right now, not on either because I lost my insurance because uh, oh, I turned twenty six like a month or 
Yeah. Like oh, shit. Or you know when because right. we uh, Happy birthday. <laughs> turned 26 yeah, the same day. Do you still have health insurance? Um, I, I, th- I think I have, uh, I have like government health insurance. Oh, gotcha. I was on my parents because yeah. you can be on your parents until you're 26. And I just went off it. So I have not been to therapy or on my medication. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, well, how do you, so, okay, you, you, you have, you have a, a, a small slew of diagnoses and stuff. Yeah. What, do you remember when, like, uh, when you first started feeling weird? Like, yeah, like, different? Yeah. Well, like, always, because, well, when I was a kid, like, I think my parents would just refer to me as emotional and uh-huh. dramatic, because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, like, I'd. I just, uh, I would, like, cry at night as a kid just, like, thinking about how I was going to die one day. And, like, I don't know. Like, I was like just how young? Like, very young. If, since I can remember. Yeah. Like, pretty young. I always, uh, at night, would just get, like, so sad and, like, cry oh. myself to sleep, like, all the time. And, yeah, they, like, I cried a lot. Like, I just always cried. So, yeah, they would just thought I was like an emotional dramatic kid and then I think when I really started to feel the difference was when I was 14 and that was when I went through puberty right um that I think made a huge difference uh do you remember like (laughs) a time where you go oh this feels more than before yeah and I and I used to tell my mom like I I would tell her like I think there's something wrong with me and she's like no there's nothing wrong with you you know you're just a you're a teenager or whatever you know I'm like no like I really think there's something wrong with me yeah and um it didn't get to the point where and at that point she had just gone back to nursing school um and so I don't think she like but I think at that time she went through nursing school and then later on when it started to get really 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 bad she was like okay there's something wrong with you we need to figure it out so was 14 really 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 bad or 14 it was really really bad but it didn't get to the point where i was like you know suicidal ever i don't think i Uh mean i thought about it a lot um but like who doesn't right i feel like it was it was yeah, everyone, and especially when you're like a teen, I feel like everyone thinks about that stuff. Like, what are what if I just like die? <laughs> like, right, every that's normal. Like, there's just a lot of stuff you don't want to deal with or whatever, and you just want to die. But um, <laughs> were, were you communicating this, or was it was it just kind of something? Just you, to my, I didn't know it was depression. I didn't know like what it was. I just knew that I was sad most of the time, and uh-huh. that I probably shouldn't be. And I didn't think my friends were like that right and um i think i have like a lot of like i think i cried for help in a lot of different ways that weren't really seen like Um, what i'm trying to think like i just ways in which like my parents thought that i was like looking for attention yeah was me like being like there's something wrong with me like anything i would do for just like attention they would say like i was emotional and dramatic and wanted attention but really i think i just like that i was so sad inside yeah and i just needed to figure out what was wrong but you don't really remember like how you were um i like i it was I'm, a while ago. It, it's, I mean, I guess in the same ways I seek attention, or not attention, but I was a pretty open book back then too. And I would just like tell people things that maybe you shouldn't tell people, uh-huh. like about whatever, like my family li- or anything. Like I just, 
I would be too honest about things or um I don't know yeah I was just constantly like seeking attention I feel like in any way that I could and yeah I cried a lot Uh I cried a lot (laughs) and I still do um and I don't think that's a bad thing but uh yeah and then I I when I would I when I really really started to feel like it was depression was when I went to college when I went I moved out for the first time right and I wasn't like around my family and like they were used to how I was but like you know the people I lived with they become conditioned to it yeah yeah they they just thought like oh that's Nicole she's dramatic and emotional and then I started living with these other people like the these like people my age and they were not like me and I was living with them all the time and they were like what is wrong with because they would always want to like go out and like hang out and I never like I'm a fun person but I I'm not like a big like going out person I like to stay home and watch tv or whatever but it was also just like they realized like I was always just in bed with my blinds drawn and my lights off and just like and it already been that way in in high school and stuff yeah but it was just I don't know like I just felt like it was normal and then I think it, it also it got worse when I went away because I missed home and uh I felt I also went through like an experience uh my junior year of college where we went to a frat party and um I was like assaulted. Um <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean and nothing like really had like it was an attempt at uh you know, but right. uh it it didn't pan out for the person because it was stopped by another guy in the frat house. <laughs> Which is, yeah, that's gr- um, that's great. Which that I know fr- fraternities get like a bad rap, but like uh, <laughs> this guy, the guy that was doing wasn't even in the fraternity. He was just there at the party and it was yeah. one of the frat guys who stopped him and kicked him out. So I don't want to like be like, it was a you're frat never, guy. Yeah, you're never going to shame the frats after. The <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um. Yeah, and so, like, I never wanted to go out after that. I did not want to go out to, like, all the parties they were going to and stuff like that. And I would just, yeah, I, and I, I didn't talk to, after that happened, I didn't talk to uh, anyone at home about it. In fact, my dad didn't find out until I talked about it on a podcast, like, years later. Right. <laughs> and um, so I just, I felt really alone. And then also I was in school, but, like, I didn't want to be studying what I was studying and I because I thought I wanted to be a lawyer and then when I realized I didn't then I was just like there and exactly that's probably the biggest uh way I can describe it was I felt so so lost (laughs) and then I was just like living in this place with these girls who were like hot and going out every night and like whatever and I was just like laying in bed and I would watch comedy just like all the time that's what I would do I was just watch comedy that was that was your escape was, yeah. was stand up. Um and then every once in a while I would just have these like meltdown just like sh- like scream crying meltdowns just of like That's I'm never going to be happy. Nothing. I got I go down these and I still do, but I'm able to keep it in control more, but just I go down these like spirals where it'll, it'll start out as like one thing like oh I like uh didn't get up until 2 p.m. today <laughs> and then right. like i'll be like i'm a lazy piece of shit and then be like why am i so fucking sad i'll never be fucking happy nothing's ever gonna make me happy i don't know what i want to do with my life like nobody's ever gonna love me and i'll just like go down this spiral yeah. of just like what's the point of even living anymore and i would call my mom just like hysterically crying and uh 
it was at that point that I got on antidepressants. Right. Um, you, you were you were talking about you 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 mentioned I want to I want to come back to this but you mentioned feeling like ice like uh, isolated or uh, alone. Oh yeah. Did you have friends at this point? I did, but they were like mad at like one of the girls. They I were mad at you. <laughs> no, not mad at me, but like one of the girls I lived with was a friend from high school, um, and we were really good friends. But yeah, she didn't understand why I would just lock myself in my room and like not want to go out and like not and right. I was a mess like too, which is frustrating for roommates. I like wouldn't yeah. clean up after myself. I was yeah, I would just lay in my bed, and so I think they just all saw me as like some lazy sad piece of shit and like um at the time she definitely didn't know that that was what was happening and did you try to explain it no because at the time i didn't really know what was happening i mean before i got on the antidepressants and stuff um but yeah it got to a point where we had like a huge blowout and uh she like said some really mean things and then uh I was like, okay, I'm not going to live here next year, which I didn't. I lived on campus the next year with two, like, foreign exchange students, which made me feel even lonelier. (laughs) (laughs) They, like, didn't even speak English. But, um, yeah, and so, like, she just, like, didn't understand what was going on. And then um, eventually she did, and she apologized. And she ended up going through her own, um, like, depression as well. And we've she's one of my best friends and it's fine. But at the time she, she didn't understand what I was going through. Cause I didn't understand what I was going through. Right. And then eventually I got help and, uh, you know, that's when we mended our relationship or whatever. Right. Cause I got help and I got on antidepressants and I went, you know, to therapy a couple of times, but therapists, I, I just never stuck with, yeah. um, until recently. And then even this one now I haven't gone to cause my insurance is gone, but, <laughs> makes it difficult but yeah depression can be hard on friendships for sure it can be really 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 hard on friendships yeah. absolutely because you know. it it's were you pushing people away yeah absolutely i H- would how um just because i knew that i i didn't want to like i didn't really know how to ask for help like right. i said i would have all these like cries for help come but i didn't know like how to do it. i didn't just know how to say i need help yeah. it would always be some other way of trying to get someone's attention other than just being like hey i need help right um it's a weird thing to kind of just declare yeah and and also like you know how are they even supposed to help like even when you do ask for help like you don't know what's really gonna help you and so it's it's hard to ask for help when you're like well i don't even really know what i need really just understanding i guess is what i needed but um yeah, I was just sad, you, and I didn't yeah. know what to do, and so, yeah, I definitely uh, isolated myself, and it's hard even now, because it's the same thing. I'm still sad a lot, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, while I've learned to, like, control it, like, I, man, even in, like, my relationship right now, I'm like, how long is he going to deal with this, you know? Right. Because... It's so hard. People feel helpless. Even if they love you, they feel like helpless because there's nothing. There's nothing they can really they do. They can do. And like you don't know what to do. And so it's tough. It's something yeah. I'm going through literally right now. <laughs> yeah, so oh, you're, you're, yeah. You're, you've been feeling depressed. Yeah. And, uh, 
and I don't want to, I don't want to like put the people I love through that. So yeah, I tend to like isolate myself. And then even if I ask for help again, they don't really know how to help me. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's rough. It's hard. It turns in, it, it, it's very, it's very easy to spiral, you know, with, with that, with that kind of stuff. What was, what was, what got you on the, was there something specific or just the, accumulated like meltdowns um i think like because i i finally was just like i don't i think i just told my mom like i don't know what to do anymore like i don't right. i i just know i don't want to feel this way and i was just like breaking down like yeah. i was breaking down crying so much and so hysterically that my mom was like okay you're this is this not is, normal yeah this is not a this is not a teen thing and uh so it she you know, we found a psychiatrist and I went and this psychiatrist sucked ass. <laughs> like yeah, she was why she just she was I, I felt like she just kind of uh, I went in there and she was like, OK, so you've been feeling depressed. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, cool, I'm going to prescribe you this. And it was stuff that she had samples of in her office. Right. And I've it, had this, too. Yeah. And it was like new. It was it wasn't an SSRI. It was an SNRI and it was called Fetsima. Is really new and uh, uh which sounds like a saudi arabian person <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um so she prescribed me that and then basically it was like okay bye and like didn't really ask me much about what was going on and i was like i think maybe i need therapy too and she was like she was like no she was like you got to get on the pills first she was like because she was like you're not going to be able to do the work in therapy that you're supposed to if you're in this state right and i was like all right cool so she put me on this pill and after like a few weeks like i started to feel really good like really really good um because this pill it felt like speed <laughs> it was uh -huh. like i i realized and i didn't realize it was because of this pill till later but I would be like, I would climb up like one flight of stairs and my heart would be racing. I could feel it oh in my really? chest. Okay. I felt like nauseous a lot of the time, but I, I just was like, yeah, it felt like I was on speed. I felt really good. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> until I didn't. What happened when you didn't feel good? Well, that was when I attempted suicide. Uh -huh. Um, so. What, was it a sudden crash or was it, was it like. No, no, it was, uh, it was slow. And the thing is, I could feel it like happening. Like I could feel like, oh, this is starting to not work anymore. And then I told my psychiatrist she doubled my dosage. She doubled it. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, did it help <laughs> at first? And then, oh, okay. um, and then I started to, it started to get even worse. And then I remember calling her and the office like didn't answer and then i called again and then i made an appointment and then i just didn't go because i was too depressed and i right. just like did i started skipping all my appointments she didn't check up at all or anything i feel like if you have a patient that is depressed and is and saying my medication isn't working and then and you calling. double their doses yeah. and then they miss an appointment you should be like hey like <laughs> what's going on yeah um but no, she's billed she me for the missed appointment. And then, um, yeah, I, it just got really, really bad. And I, I wanted to, the thing is, once I got on the medication, 
I wanted to be like, okay, I'm better now. Like I wanted so badly just, just to, to be over. Be like, yeah, I'm better now because it's so frustrating to go through all the work of like it really is work like being having to like go and make appointments and change medications and double your dosage or decrease your and just figure out communicate all those things so i just want i didn't want to like i just wanted to be okay yeah so i was like yeah i'm okay i was just telling everyone yeah the medication's working it's okay like i i wanted to i don't know because i felt like if the medication wasn't working then there was something wrong with, with me you, which is not the case at all uh, yeah no for sure but at the time i just i didn't want to lose <laughs> right it felt like losing um and so like i just like wasn't telling anybody that i like wasn't okay but i was spiraling for sure and then eventually i was just i was like all right well if this isn't working then i'm never going to be okay and uh i never had suicidal thoughts before getting on that medication uh-huh um, you thought about death before, but this is the first. Yeah, time I like thought about what I told my psychiatrist when I first, when I first ever went to a psychiatrist was, I'm not suicidal. Like I don't want to kill myself, but sometimes I go to bed and think, if I don't wake up in the morning, that would be cool. Right. <laughs> Those were the thoughts that I had, but it was never like actively like I'm gonna kill myself. Right. At this point, I was like, at the point where I did that, I was hysterical and I was not in my right mind. I didn't feel like myself. I had like blinders on. I felt like this will be better for everyone because I'm an, a burden emotionally right. on everyone. Like if I can't get better, like every, you know, like my friends, they hated me because I was like a burden on them when I was their roommate. Had you know, you like told them at this point, had you like told them what was going on? Are you still? No, I still hadn't told them. <laughs> they realized after my suicide attempt. Right. Um, I I have I have a question because mm-hmm. I I think in pictures a lot of the time. Yeah. And I've attempted to you already know this about me. Uh and when I was suicidal like all the things that you're describing absolutely relate to. The Bergen yeah. one is a big one. And uh, also also I mean you know it's leaving the podcast is leaving the tribes of people who left groups and ideas and there's no bigger tribe than the entire planet if yeah. that makes sense if yeah. anyone's listening going how how does this how does this fit into that's exactly what it is is you try to leave everything yeah you know um which i've also i've also tried to do you know but I, i'm wondering um if it's you know if it's just me or if you related to like thinking in pictures and especially morbid pictures when it got suicide and more absurd and absolutely that, yeah you yeah. did oh i would pick like do you mean like ways you would do it or like because at that point i don't know if that but there the second time i went to the to the psych ward that was abs i was walking down the street and i would just picture myself jumping in front of a car right. or i'd be driving and picture myself just turning and driving into the right. side of the building that would happen all the time and just like fantasizing absolutely about, yeah yep yeah no i was just i was i was i was curious if that was uh and do you think do you think in like do you think that way uh like if someone said you know if someone says something i i think i think in pictures more than most people when i'm fine do you think in pictures when you're not feeling that way or it's mo- mostly just um, I wouldn't say I think in pa- I definitely daydream a lot. Like right. I, I daydream. I've and seen it. I've yeah, seen like it, you, yeah. S- like you said, fantasizing, daydreaming. That's something I do. 
I think it, that helps keep me sane, honestly, to uh, to daydream and to kind of. When you're doing it about positive things, right? Or yeah anything like people see me kind of stare off into space all the time and they're like where do you go and it's daydream <laughs> I'm often date and that could also be a symptom of my ADD but um maybe uh yeah it's uh I absolutely daydream a lot and think right. in pictures and I go sometimes I feel like I go to another place in my mind like I'm very in my head all the time sure probably in my head more often than being present uh-huh outside which is I'm I'm working on because it's not really fun for other people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the goal is because I don't think there's anything wrong with daydreaming as long as you can control when you're doing it. Yeah, it's when you d- when you're like when your brain goes, it's time to daydream, and yeah. then you go, well, I was doing this other thing, I was working this job, and then like, yeah. your brain goes, right, doesn't matter, <laughs> time to think about fucking dishes or whatever it is that day. Well, that's why I don't know if you've ever been on Adderall or um, Ritalin. No, or anything like I have that. not been prescribed. Those. It helps with that, and I don't like being on it um, unless when I'm working, I have to be. Like right. when I was writing on historical roast, I had to be on Adderall because or else I wouldn't be productive at all. Sure, that makes sense. And I was afraid that it would um, stunt my creativity, but it doesn't at all. It uh-huh. it does. Uh, it help. It just helps me focus. Sure. It, the only thing that sucks about it is I feel like it makes me more. Um, irritated like i'm irritated all the time yeah, when i'm on I mean, it it is an upper yeah and i'm already kind of irritated all the time <laughs> which people don't know about me because I, I feel like it, you keep it under wraps i keep it very bottled up but yeah um the how peop- often do i irritate you you don't irritate me at all. okay you know what's funny is i i feel like it's the people it's the people i'm around the most that irritate you know sure. what i mean like it of course if you live with someone or like if you yeah whatever so people don't often see that side of me until they like live with me or they're like around me a lot like my right. family knows my anger and my boyfriend <laughs> knows my <laughs> anger but other than that people don't really see it because i'm pretty but i probably take it out on the people i love, love most, the most. And, yeah. the, and it's not like a very common it's not like an anger like i'm punching walls or anything i'm just like I said, very irritated all the time. Right. And someone can be trying to make me laugh or cheer me up, and I'm like, ah, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I, it's funny because I was out to dinner with my dad and like our like our family. My grandpa irritates me a lot because he's kind of if you go out to dinner, he's one of those people that like makes jo- like dad jokes to the waitresses, right. like <laughs> like uh, just stupid shit or like uh. The, well, I guess it's free. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, ju- he's just kinda. like annoying, and or he'll like take a phone call like in the middle of dinner like and talk he's just rude he's like an old rude person gotcha and so i just get like so irritated all the time (laughs) and the last time we went to dinner with him my dad was like i can't believe how calm you were during dinner like your grandpa was being irritating and you were fine and i was like yeah you're right i was (laughs) i was like pretty proud of myself but um yeah so i the the Adderall it it ir- like it makes me more irritable and I don't need that and then also it it just uh, it affects my sleep I can't sleep as well right um but it does help a lot when you when you have a job to do it really helps it makes a my focus and I'm not like I I describe it as like I didn't even realize until I took it for the first time that I'm kind of in a cloud all the time uh huh like I'm very clouded my that head always feels very clouded i always feel like kind of in a daze um i'm always t- 
tired. I'm always tired. No, that makes and those are all symptoms of depression. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that's <clears throat> you know, it's it isn't it isn't normal if that makes sense where like Yeah. there is some I don't know if it's comfort but the awareness is like okay, it's not just me. Yeah. There is some knowledge of what's happening. Like these are the symptoms. Yeah. You know, what I mean, it's not a mystery. It's not a mystery mental illness. I if do that makes sense. wish I knew the best way to deal with the symptoms, though, because if the best way isn't Adderall and Prozac, I want to know. Like, I, I don't For know. Sure. I, it's just it sucks not knowing. I'm afraid I like they help so much the medication, but I'm afraid that like one day. Because, you know, like now they used to prescribe like lithium to people with right. bipolar or whatever. They now still do. Do they? I thought they stopped. I was offered lithium at one point. Okay. But they, it's also, I've talked to some mental health care professionals recently, not mm-hmm. not in a therapy sense. And it's crazy how different like psych wards and like little things where they're like, I can't believe that happened. Y- you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't. It could. They could have. Things change like it. constantly. Mental health is still like a very new, kind of thing they're studying. And so it it while I the medication has helped me a lot, it makes me wary. Not really the Prozac. That's pretty tried and true Prozac. Right. And honestly, I don't have that many side effects. It's like really helpful for me. Prozac has been a godsend. Adderall. I think I'm a little more because it's meth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a little more like. Especially with how much when I first took it, the prescribed dose that I was prescribed, I always have to like be like, I take Adderall, the prescribed dose that I prescribed because the first time I took it, like I remember being like, I feel so good, <laughs> like <laughs> I felt so good, yeah, and I was like, I could see people getting addicted to this stuff. I could see myself getting addicted. You're, to yeah, this. I was about and to ask. You're afraid that you're gonna get. Addicted that's another to reason it. that I will not take it if I'm not. If I don't need it for like if I'm employed or have a job or like whatever, it also speeds up my timing on stage. Yeah, but um, from my experience and my f- my friends, Adderall is much more a gateway drug than pot will ever oh, be. Oh yeah, oh one hundred. I mean, I don't know because I think maybe because pot never really did anything for me, and I think it's because I'm like I I feel like I'm like how people are on pot. All the time. time. (laughs) Like, I'm always, like, down here. I'm always, like, you know, in my own, like... That's why I never tried it for a long time. Well, there was a lot of reasons, but I didn't try it for a long time. It was like, I'm already always sleepy. That's the thing. All it does for me is just put me to sleep. That's all it does. I I smoke pot and I go to sleep. That's it. (laughs) So it's never done anything for me. Yeah. But Adderall? I use it to supplement insomnia or, like, to to deal with... I get insomnia sometimes, so... Yeah. That's what, if I ever did like heroin, that's probably all it would do too. Is just put me out, put me to sleep. Probably, yeah. But don't 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 do that. No, I I won't. <laughs> but I honestly, I don't think that like uppers is what I would get addicted to because that's, I don't feel that ever. I don't feel that high. Right. I don't feel that. Uh, no, that makes sense. It was like the first time I'm taking it for the first time and feeling like, oh my god, I don't feel tired. Yeah. Because I, I don't know about you, I literally feel tired all the time. It's insane. Oh, I, I absolutely go through those phases. It's one of the, honestly, if if there's one symptom I could get rid of of whatever I have, it's that. It's just, I don't want to feel tired all the time because I feel, you, I feel like I could be so much more productive. Yeah. 
and like I could just do stuff but I'm just always tired I'm always clouded like people will be talking to me and I'm just like I can't like I can't process what people are saying I just always feel like my head is heavy and I'm tired well that's one of one of the one of the first questions I wanted to ask you but then we just we took off sorry I'm no don't apologize (laughs) this is is great well but like a lot of people uh they think depression and sadness are the same thing yeah do you think it's the same thing no no what is the difference I I don't know because I I can tell the difference between I've even said before to people like when people when I've said like I'm sad right now but it's like a normal sad right <laughs> you know because yeah. it's there's a, there's definitely a different I mean depression comes with like a feeling of just like hopelessness and just um like sometimes I don't even know why I'm like most of the time right. I don't even know why I'm feeling that way but suddenly a sense of hopelessness and it's kind of like staring into a dark void of like you feel like it's never going to end and nothing's ever going to make you happy and right. I spiral in my mind and stuff like that whereas sadness I know what it's about I'm sad about it and I'm going to get over it and it's going to be fine right. and uh, that's just a part of life uh, but yeah, I can definitely, I can feel the difference. And I think is before it, all of this, I didn't yeah. know the difference. And now, now I do. You do. Yeah. do you, do you have like physical symptoms besides the tiredness? Cause like I, I like the different, I can tell depression from sadness personally from one or two things. One, sadness is usually caused by something that happens. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, and then it's also, there's like, I get physical sensations if that makes sense. Where things feel more weighted and it feels like you're moving through th- this like weird thickness that isn't there. I mean, I've I've told you, like uh, like coming out of a fog, like my head feels right. very foggy. Yeah. Um, also, and I honestly I don't know if this contributes to my depression or my depression contributes, contributes to, to this, this, but like so much back and shoulder pain. And yeah. I, like I don't know if that's like my posture and like you said like a heaviness of fi- or. It, the pain also causes me so much emotional right. stress because it's it's so painful to go throughout the day and like just have that pain constantly or even trying to sleep and having that pain i feel like that affects my emotional state as well so it's kind of what came first the chicken or the egg right but yeah i experience a lot of um physical discomfort uh-huh. as well yeah. does it get worse when you're depressed yeah yeah, yeah. And again i don't know if how they're connected, but they're connected. Right. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Go, going back to you were you were sorry I cut you off of the question right when you were talking you were talking about the I forgot the name of the med I've but never Sima. taken yeah I've never taken it yeah and I I never talked to anyone else who has but I looked up the <laughs> reviews of it after my suicide attempt and um they all basically said the same thing they're like it feels like you're on speed and then a lot of people said i was never suicidal until i got on this drug right <laughs> um so definitely google the things google, you're taking yeah. <laughs> see, see what the reviews are because it, 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 it's very it was you a, might turn into a guinea pig if yeah you don't. It, uh, that's what i felt like i was i was really upset which at does not help with your self-esteem and all that either yeah at that psychiatrist i was really really upset because i felt like she didn't ask any questions when I went in it was just like oh you're depressed take this yeah um she didn't get to know anything about my life like I could have been at least ask about your family history um a little bit 
but like no, I was yeah. I remember being like particularly surprised about how little she asked me before she was just like yeah. here's a drug and it was the one that she happened to have like a million samples of because right. that's what she was pushing and um when I went into the hospital because I had tried to overdose on pills and, well, yeah, and cough syrup what sorry go ahead um they couldn't get even they had been like flushing stuff out for like days and they still couldn't get my resting heart rate to slow down. My resting heart rate, I think, was at like anywhere from like 120 to 140 when it should be at like That's 70 to 80. And yeah, yeah. And I was it just should be laying down. Right. And uh, they were like they didn't know what to do. What, why my heart rate wasn't slowing. They kept pumping me with potassium um, or. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Potassium or something uh-huh. like that. And uh, they, like, couldn't get my... They thought it was, like, maybe all the pills that I took or, like, one of the pills that I took that it... that, that Right. W- but then I was still taking my antidepressants while I was in the hospital. They were still giving me... And so I, and that, that I remember was, telling yeah. my mom, and I was like, hey, ever since I started taking that... I didn't think about it until right then when they were like, why can't we get our heart rate to slow down? I was like, you know, ever since I've been taking this medication, I can feel my heart beating in my chest all the time. Right. <laughs> and so they were like, okay, well, why don't we try taking her off that? So they took me off that. And after like and two it. days, yeah, my heart rate was back down. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like, I, I wonder if that is still on the market. Uh, I hope not. I mean, it could have been, and there's also like any medication. I mean, different medications right. affect people different ways. Right. There's no, but there's no, it seems yeah. like a lot of people on the internet. And again, people on the internet, they aren't going to go to give good reviews. Usually it's usually going to be if something happened, they're going yeah. <laughs> to go and be like, don't take this. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I feel like the, a lot of people had the same experience to where they were like, it's it was like i was on speed right <laughs> and um yeah i don't know how that affected me so did you did you still have the energy when you were kind of spiraling from that med mm-hmm. you still had the energy mm-hmm. yeah yeah were you was, was that okay so you were were you like manic i think like cuz it's a different depression than i have now cuz like yeah right. cuz now i'll like lay in bed and that's before I was on that drug, I would lay in bed all the time. I wouldn't get yeah. up for days or whatever. This was, I was very, like, hysteric. Like, I was, like, yeah, crying uncontrollably. And, like, I was having panic attacks for the first. I right. never had panic attacks before. Um, and I was. Everything, every little thing that happened, I would, like, get in a fight with my dad, which happened all the time. Right. I'd get in a fight, and I would just, like, have a panic attack and feel like I couldn't breathe. And so, yeah, I think... um I don't know if that was mania or just, just. But really I definitely, I definitely just felt hysteric all the time. Yeah. And yeah, I felt like a burden on everyone. Yeah, which is, I mean, I've, I felt like I've nothing felt was going to fix me if this medication couldn't fix me. I felt like nothing's going to fix me. Right. My mom had told me, and not in like a bad way. She, she's my mom, and she loves me, and it was hard for her to see me go through this. And she was like, "It's right. hard because I feel helpless." Yeah. I don't know how and, to help you. Right. And like, that's interesting. And she said it in like a love. She was like, I, she was like, I feel for you and I can't imagine what you're going through. And it's just, it's hard because I, you know, I'm your mom and I love you and I just don't want to be able to help you. And I don't, I don't know what to do. And, um, you know, I, my boyfriend has expressed the same thing sometimes and it's, it's hard because you're like, well, I don't know how to help me. So it's okay yeah. that you don't know how to help me. I'm just telling you how I'm feeling. <laughs> 
and uh, right. It helps. <coughs> you know. You know what I told you is like it helps just to be able to talk about it. Yeah, it helps people talk about. It, it helps just to. That's have how you're helping me is you're letting me talk. You know. For me, it helps just to have someone around me. Like right. I don't even. I don't even need to be talking about it. It just like it helps to have someone there. Because if I'm alone, I'll spiral more. My right. brain will just go to places that... For sure. And I'm now getting to the point where I will tell the person I'm with where my mind is going. And that's hard, too, because sometimes it's a dark, dark place that I don't want to admit. Or it's yeah. or it's fucked up. Or it's embarrassing. Right. Like, even just, like, stupid... Because, like, when I'm spiraling, I take everything personally. So, like really silly stuff I'll take and be like oh this is because I'm a loser I'm uglier I'm like I'll take very weird shit personally and um assign it meaning (coughs) that it's not that's not there right and when I say it out loud I'll be like I know that's ridiculous but this is just where my mind is going I just need to say it out loud but saying it out loud definitely helps because it does help you kind of hear it (laughs) and be like oh that's ridiculous which I've heard is similar with like journaling and writing stuff down. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, not not to sorry. I'm I'm just curious because I've never I haven't talked. We've talked a lot about mental health stuff off of mm-hmm. the podcast, but I actually don't. I don't think. I think you told me at one point, but not detailed. For the actual attempt you had, mm-hmm. is this is this all right that we're talking about? Absolutely. This? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Actual attempt. You remember because you're talking about the blinders. You're talking about the spiral. And the yeah. Thing. Yeah. The possible mania, but definitely panic attacks and stuff. Do you remember the the last like coherent thought that you had before you attempted? Um. God. Uh, I rem- I remember going down a spiral of feeling like I was unlovable. Um. And and then it was that I was a burden. On the people that do love me. Uh. And then, yeah, just that I should just, that I was never going to be happy. And then I just, yeah, went into. Right. uh, Yeah, having blinders on me like, all right, I know what I need to do. (laughs) And that that calmed me down. Uh, Being like, yeah, I'm just going to take care of it. (laughs) Yeah. You know. Which is, which is, it's, that's common. Yeah. To feel relief when you decide that's what's going to happen. Yeah. What was, how long did you, after you decided, how long before you actually attempted? Um, I remember uh, getting, like, alcohol out of, out of the fridge, so, like, to kind of gain up the courage. Right. Um. So, I don't know, I think I was, like, kind of drinking for about an hour I was looking stuff up online, like painless ways to die and stuff right. like that. Turns out there aren't really any painless ways to die. Yeah, all. <laughs> all like, uh, and you know, props to Google when you search that. The first thing that comes up is a suicide suicide hotline. But I had already made up my mind, so I was like, nah. Too, and then yeah. there are like a couple articles about like why you shouldn't kill yourself. And then, but then there are some dark parts of the web that are like, yeah, here's how you kill yourself. Oh yeah, and there are. <laughs> and so like I. You know, I found it was like, you know, because I was like trying, I was like, you know, overdosing on pills is what I was pretty sure I wanted to do. And then it was like, well, if you take a lot of the same pills, then you'll your body will probably just throw it up uh-huh. or whatever. But if you mix pills, that's how 
you overdo it because then the, it's the mixture of whatever yeah. that did you, makes it. Did you go to the drugstore to get different stuff or did you just go around the house? I just raided my parents. I literally yeah. took every single bottle of my parents' medicine cabinet and was like, something's got to work. And I just started down and then drinking all the cough syrup. It was actually, I think, the cough syrup that was probably the like when they when uh i went into the hospital they were like you drank a lot of cough syrup and i was like yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm aware i'm here yeah so but yeah i was just i was ready did the cough syrup make you hallucinate uh you know i don't remember i just remember kind of passing out like i was like i was passing out i I remember my dad knocking on the door and saying that i was like incoherently talking to him and he like he thought I was like on drugs. I mean, I was on drugs, well, he but thought he thought he I was like recreationally using yeah. drugs. And he was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and like, <laughs> uh, that was when I I was I was kind of like out of it and blacked out. And he like uh, came in and like found a bunch of stuff under because I'd shoved it under my bed when I heard him knocking. Yeah. And then uh, he found like the note I wrote, and then they drove me to the hospital. Do you remember what you said in the note? Um, I think it it was pretty brief. I I didn't write like a long manifesto or anything it was basically like uh a lot of just like you know this isn't your guys's fault like uh i'm just a burden and i think i said i remember saying something like uh you're not losing me you're losing like this version of me that is just a burden and is sad and like i'm i'm like not me anymore right and you'll be better off without me basically yeah just trying to like tell them like it's fine you're not losing me you're losing this like sad bitch that right is making yeah. all your lives worth worse right. you know like i'm not even a person that's how i felt i felt like i wasn't even a person like i was just like this empty shell that was crying all the time that no one could help and um and and we already i mean we we already kind of discussed it but there was no like specific thing that was making you that started the depression uh i mean i was always depressed there were things that were like triggering and made it worse and made it super worse like uh at this point that i did this i had uh just graduated college Uh and moved back home Right. So I graduated with a degree I knew I wasn't going to use. I'd moved back home with my parents. Uh, I didn't know what was next for me. I just felt, yeah, lost again. I felt really <laughs> lost. I didn't know. I had been doing comedy for maybe six months, and, you know, I didn't know that was going to go anywhere. I was just kind of like, I'm just doing this I thing know that you probably. you already started comedy when mm-hmm. this happened. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it was after. Uh, you know, I'd been dumped maybe a few months before, a couple months before. Uh-huh. Um, and also, so I was dumped by the guy that took my virginity and, like, the first person I thought I was in love with. And then I had my finals, like, the next week, and there was a shooting at my college. And uh, I was in my dorm room and i like had a bunch of i always say this like Wait, i had a bu- i like knew you when this was happening yeah uh I a little bit you knew me a little bit yeah right i thought this was er, er- nope this was uh yeah after oh. i started comedy this was after i graduated college yeah and uh i think i 
I had started, yeah, I had started doing roast battle. I had had one roast battle uh-huh. with Felicia. Right. Yeah. I, I think, I, I remember, I, I, I remember that. Yeah. And it was uh, a fantastic battle. And that, it happened right before my second battle, which was with Leah Lamar. It happened like two weeks before right. that. And then she made a joke about it, like. <laughs> a week after I got out of the mental hospital, right. and I hadn't even told her, someone else told her because I went on stage. That's and never about good it. when it's a surprise that you have those jokes. Is yeah. that why you kept it quiet? Is because of roast battle? No, I didn't want. So, want like I said, I had gone you. through um, a break. I I didn't want certain people to think it was their fault, or that. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Yeah. And. Uh, I didn't really know anybody that well yet. Right. Like I, like I said, I was six months into comedy. I didn't want people to like think I was just this crazy bitch who tried to kill yeah. herself. And at the time, I didn't know how many of us were crazy bitches. And like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's the thing is people people would have reached out. That was that was because I I mean at fourteen I was the first time I was hospitalized. And I want to get into the hospitalization hospitalization and stuff. Yeah. Too, but like was, I was fourteen, I kept it very quiet except for close friends. Yeah, how I, you know, I had all these delusions and psychotic breaks, and I kept it all quiet until my most recent one. And my note was, my note was, I just posted on Facebook. I just said, "I love you all. I'm sorry," and everybody knew what it meant. I didn't think anyone was gonna know what it meant. I was about six months into comedy. Mm-hmm. And what is it about that six month mark, man? Uh, <laughs> You're just like, yeah. this isn't going to work out. Yeah. This was my last ditch effort and it was it's either, not going yeah, well. It was either six or eight months. And then, you know, and after I didn't die, I was just really, you know, I was pretty upset that it became public because everyone yeah. was like, ah, oh, fuck, Tom's going to kill, you know, and they were posting and they were communicating. Yeah. It was all public online well i had a moment like that too on my the second time that i kind of like um i be i was suicidal but i remember i, I remember driving around looking yeah, for people you. were looking for me and i remember the same thing i remember after because i felt like i wasn't in my right mind when i like posted it. and again it could have been like a cry for help it probably was but i just posted like i'm not okay <laughs> and then i called my mom and she drove me to the hospital right but uh yeah people were looking for me they like finally around midnight my mom was like called because they had taken my phone yeah but uh yeah it was crazy and and i remember afterwards being like oh fuck like nothing is ever like nobody's ever gonna treat me the same again and that wasn't true no um but for a little while like every time i saw someone i'd be like how how are you doing are you okay like people were just and i know it's out of concern and whatever but it's like ah just just talk to me yeah just like i don't know just treat me, treat me how you would. Right. But the first time I did, uh, I did keep it pretty quiet. I told one person uh-huh. in the comedy community um, that I thought was a really good friend. And then, uh, and then I did a storytelling show at the comedy store and I ended up kind of just like telling the whole story on stage uh-huh. killed right i still have part of what i used from that set in my set today i've heard i've heard that bit yeah, yeah. and it's from when i just went up on stage like four days after it happened and just talked about it and i'm i'm her killing with like a seven minute story yeah. <laughs> and then going into the bathroom and shaking and crying 
Yeah, I <laughs> I had a very similar experience where I talked about how uh, when I got back because it was so public, I first set back. I just talked about it because yeah. I could feel the tension. Right. And I was like, well, I'm going to try to make some jokes about it. I've never like talked publicly about this shit. And I I I have a story. I mean, there was they took away the spoons. It was the only hospital I'd been to where you could just have cutlery mm-hmm. and they wouldn't hide it. Yeah. And someone shoved, they stacked the mini pens and shoved them up her nose mm-hmm. trying to kill herself. Yeah. Blood everywhere. It, it it probably fucked me up just seeing that much blood and just yeah. like the chaos that ensued. And the weirdest part was afterwards there was just like, there was a dude who had to clean up all the blood mm-hmm. and he just looked really bummed about it. Like, <laughs> like just like, not even like bummed that there was blood, just like bummed he had to clean it up. Like yeah. just fucking uh, this shit again, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I started hiding spoons after meals in my shorts mm-hmm. and then storing them in a sock drawer. And I, 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 I'm not going to do the whole bit on you, but it, it, it was the first time I came back. It, it became, uh, uh, you know, it's very different than the first time I did it, but it's still a bit I do. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's weird. Those moments of honesty will will help you find something really cool on stage. Well, that was my whole like thing changed after that. Like before that, yep, I was kind of <laughs> before that I was doing like uh very like um I was I was doing well. I just was doing kind of turn of phrase like kind of maybe Jessel Nikki shit. Gotcha. I was doing a lot of uh. What do you call it? Mr. X. Right. And stuff like that. And just like silly shit or like dark stuff. But it, it wasn't personal yeah. really at and all. That was when you first started getting personal. And that was when I started getting personal. I started talking about the breakup that had just happened. I yeah. started talking about everything that was hurting me inside. Right. And, and making it funny. And making it funny. And it was like really empowering for me. Yeah. And then an that's how I kind of found my voice, I think, in uh in comedy for sure and i think that's which is helped yeah, me a lot it's great i hate to do, i have to pee so i bad. have to pee so bad okay. too oh my god <laughs> i'm so bl- okay we're back um i want i wanted so you're okay the or not the suicide attempt you talked you you, you told me about that and there's a well i don't want to blow up a, a tag to your joke so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not going to ask a question about that, but, uh, <laughs> about it, um, but the psych ward, that was your first time to a psych ward, and you were, mm-hmm. I'm guessing you were 5150 or 5250? 5150. So you passed out. What was the first thing you remember when you came back to? Um, I think I, I mean, like, I, I still had my wits about me, like, as I was being driven to the hospital, but I don't remember much about it. I just remember being in the like hospital bed or whatever in the uh-huh. was it the ICU? I don't know something like that. And uh, I remember them just pumping me with uh, shit, yeah. potassium. I think that's what I keep but calling it. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, potassium. it's it was probably potassium and charcoal and all that. Uh, yeah, and then them just kind of asking me questions um, about what happened and. Right. Why I did it and stuff like that. And then I remember my best friend coming to visit me. Oh, because I did, while that time I did not post anything, I did text my best friend a weird, like, 
because I had been isolating myself. Yeah. And like not really hanging out with me and my father, like being there for my friends, really, I feel like. Uh-huh. I did send her like a long kind of like, I'm sorry, I haven't really been a good friend and like all this kind of stuff. Um, and at the time, I don't think she knew what happened. I don't know how she found out that it happened. Maybe she, my mom texted her or something. I have no idea. But yeah. I remember her coming and visiting. Um, and yeah, then I finally was transferred to like a private room and uh they were just they just couldn't get my heartbeat to slow down and i remember my dad being really angry with me he was he was mad at you yeah i think it's hard because at the time i was like uh angry at him for being angry at me because i'm like obviously i I need help like i said like why are you angry at me and for a while he was angry at me he would tell me like you know because i did it was uh the weekend after my mom's birthday and he was like every time she had a birthday she would have to think about this like and i don't think he knew that like i just wasn't thinking straight i wasn't thinking like people would miss me yeah i was thinking people would be better off without me (laughs) right and so um did you think people would almost be because i've had this people would almost be thankful like, oh, good. We don't have to deal with Tom anymore. Honestly, I just didn't think people would care. Right. And at the, in that time, I didn't really, I just didn't really think anybody cared about me, which is ridiculous. Right. You know, now that I think about it. But at the time, I just I was like, how, how could anyone care about me? Like, I'm not even, what is there to care about? I just lay in bed and I'm sad and I cry all the time and there's nothing anyone can do to help me. What's the point? Of me even being here. Right. And like you say like you don't even know who needs you. It's like even if they need you like I'm not I'm not here to be here for anyone. Like I'm right. I can't but I couldn't possibly be doing any good in anyone's life right now that that they would miss me at all. Um, and you know in retrospect I think my dad was just scared because he didn't know what to do and he didn't know how to deal with that and um he didn't my dad like while my first i feel like we all have kind of like i think we're very similar me and my dad right. but while i'm my like uh baseline is like sad his is like anger uh-huh you know <laughs> like it i think we experience this the same kind of spiral and emotional switch but mine is sadness and his is anger so like anything any kind of sadness or scared or anything he's feeling i think just kind of manifests his anger because that's what he knows <laughs> right and so i've had to realize that um i think and so like his anger at me was him being sad and scared that i had just done that and didn't yeah. know how to handle it and um he wouldn't come visit me <laughs> um and yeah i remember that and then uh, once they got my heart rate to slow down, that's when they transferred me via ambulance, which felt a little ridiculous because, like, I can walk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I can, you so, know. I mean, I, it's that that has nothing to do with it. it yeah. It's the, so you're un, if you're under a hold, they can't, because if you're, like, parents take you or something, they're, they have to release you. Right. That's why I, that, that's happened to me too. Yeah. Where it's, they have to take. I was you. like, this feels a little ridiculous. They like took me like on my bed. Like I didn't even like get right. up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like no, no. I've been, I've been, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, the first time that happened to me, uh, I wasn't even go. I wasn't attempting anything. We were just like, I, I had attempted other times, and my dad had caught me, and he was like, drink a gallon of milk uh, because it gives you dairy poisoning. You throw it up. Just oh, trying to get me yeah, to throw yeah. it, you know. And then finally, like, you know, my family was like, we got to we gotta get, get him some help. And so we went to uh, an ER, and we were there for, like, six hours. Like, well, we're, we got to take him to uh, – we're going to take him to a different hospital. And I was like, okay. And then they put me in an ambulance. And I was fine. I was like walking. Like we kept watching the nutty professor mm-hmm. in my room. And they wheeled me out. And they brought me to. We drove like 45 minutes to middle of middle of nowhere. Uh, because that's where it was available. And I did not know it was. Uh, ho- I was going to a mental hospital. They opened up the doors. And there was a screaming girl, and she was, like, like fighting. And then they, like, dragged her. And I remember them dragging her, trying to give her the booty juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember her digging her nails into the carpet and a nail flying off. Jesus Christ. And that's when I was like, am I in a mental hospital? Like, I had no idea oh, what I was. you didn't know you were going. They didn't tell me. They were just like, we're g- we got to transfer you. And they mm-hmm. didn't tell me. Yeah. Um. But they told you. Yeah, I knew where I was going. And uh, it, I think it's funny because I, I realized later on that the the one that I was transferred to is like a terrible one. And it, it like... Uh, Which one was it? It's Community, it was oh, okay. community Hospital in, uh, in Long Beach. Okay. And uh, it's funny because I remember after I got out, I I was put in this like outpatient intensive care right thing it was like a 12-week program where i was in like three days a week of group therapy and one day a week of individual therapy and i had someone kind of like round the clock managing my medication and Uh uh-huh but it it was outpatient um but i remember when i i he was like what uh, what facility were you in? And I told him, and he was like, "Oh, you poor thing." And, <laughs> and he like turned to the psychiatrist in the next room. He was like, "She was in community. Like, could you imagine this sweet little girl?" <laughs> and he was just like, "Whatever." And that place where I went there, that was where I found the psychiatrist I've had since then. And oh, really? She, I like cried to her and told her I wish every like mental health professional was like her. Cause yeah, she is so good and like so caring and very like thorough. And I remember telling her like about kind of some of the therapists and and psychiatrists I had before, and uh, she had like students in with her, uh-huh. and she was like, "Is it okay if I have uh, like there are a couple? I think she was like a professor maybe or like right. whatever." And she's like, "I have." She was like, "It's okay, you can say no." And I was like, "Oh no, that's fine." So she had these students like sitting in with her and we're telling her some of the stuff. And she was like going to the student. She's like, do you know what's wrong with that? <laughs> and They were like, yeah. And they were like explaining what was wrong with everything the people that I've been going to were doing. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad she's teaching because she's amazing. And right. uh, I hope that through her teaching that more people are like her. But that, um, yeah, no, that, that things improve. Yeah, absolutely. And uh but yeah, it's in the in that facility was awful. I was, I didn't well, eat. God, I came out so skinny. <laughs> That's the only good thing about it is I came out so skinny. <laughs> there's, probably, there's probably a lot of people uh, who've never been to a mental hospital listening to this right now. Yeah. What do you think most people think a mental hospital is like? When you say that, what do you think they're picturing? 
Mm, I think before I went, I pictured like the worst of the worst. Like I think I pictured like, like people like screaming yeah. and like you know like whatever twitching and screaming and and there is a little bit of that. <laughs> there sure is. But I I pictured like people being like restrained. <laughs> Straight jackets and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, it's an it's not like it's more like God to me it felt and I've never been to jail but it felt right. like what jail probably is you're yeah. just like sharing a room with someone and they do take all of your stuff you know they take like my I brought my mom had like brought me like spare clothes and like stuff to do and like uh you know like it was gonna be summer camp or whatever but it was like they're like no you can't have any of this so you, they took my hairbrush and they're like you can have this during grooming hour between nine and ten <laughs> yeah and i was like if you think i'm gonna be out of bed before 10 <laughs> they're like well we're gonna make sure you are yeah <laughs> yeah and they just like i ma- mainly just stayed in bed and cried that's pretty much all i did and then they would come in every few hours and ask me questions and take some of my blood or whatever they did right. and uh how long were you there um only like four days i think uh-huh. and they wanted me to be there another two weeks but i left uh against doctor recommendations yeah which is why i did not get prescribed any medication at that time um <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so then i i had to go to that outpatient program to get whatever help i needed because they were like we can't help you if you're gonna walk out uh AMA or whatever it's called uh-huh. a- against medical advice or right. No, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember if AMA was accurate or not. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> I remember talking to like the because they were like, "Oh, you can't be released until you talk to the psychiatrist or whatever." And so it took them a few days, which you're supposed to be re- be able to be released after 72 hours. And technically, I was in the regular hospital like 72 hours. So it doesn't count, though. It doesn't. No. Well, uh, they they it took them a while to have the psychiatrist talk to me, and then he I remember talking to him, and he went to UCLA, and I went to UCLA, <laughs> so I was like trying to like act super normal and be right. like, yeah, like I totally regret it, and like I have like stuff to do, so I should probably go, and like you know UCLA, go Bruins! I went there too. <laughs> like I am smart and not crazy and it's fine <laughs> and, um and after that conversation where i thought i nailed it i was like killed it he thinks i'm so normal he was like i think you should stay another two weeks and i was like <laughs> but nah <laughs> no. and, um and we're, like my dad was really angry because he wanted to get me out of there because my dad doesn't really believe in all that stuff mental health care yeah and he was like really mad that i was there i think and um i don't know so he was like going in there or he was like calling and being like i don't want her in there and they were like she needs to be in here and eventually like i just had to meet with someone who had to release me and he was like okay you can like walk up he was like but i don't want to see you back in here he was like i need you to promise me that like if this happens again like you're gonna seek help that you're gonna tell your mom like whatever and he had to have this long talk with me or whatever and i was like yeah and then he basically like I felt like he was trying to guilt my mom because she was like in there with me and like basically like, if I release her into your custody like this is your responsibility you know like if she does something does some like I think he was trying to guilt her like if you let this happen it's on you yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah and so I don't know 
But you didn't the next time you actually you went to your mom. I did. I um Yeah, so you fo- you followed through. And I know that doesn't seem like it, but that is a huge victory from one to the next. It is and I cuz I did make a promise to my mom that I would and um she's kind of like she's just always been there for me. She's never like judged me. She's always been the one to help me through these things and so I did make a promise to her, you know, we had like a long talk. She cried, of course, <laughs> and like uh, just made me promise her that if I ever felt that way again, that I would tell her. Yeah. And it's funny because before before that, I felt like I was telling people, but like in my own kind of way, <laughs> like I'm right. even like a week before that, I was out to dinner with my grandma and my mom and I felt like I was kind of like. Yeah, like, I'm not, like, suicidal, but sometimes I just feel like I want to die, you know? Right. Like, And I was just, like, making jokes about it. And then literally the night before it happened, I was at a party. And I think this had something to do with it as well, was that I was drinking the night before. And when I'm depressed, drinking makes it... It's a depressant. It makes you more depressed. Ten times worse. So yeah. I was drinking the night before at a party for my friend's birthday. And I just kept making jokes about jumping out the window. I made, like, so many jokes about suicide that night. Like... Uh-huh. And I don't think I knew at the time that that was why. Right. But I was just like, just constantly. And I remember one of my friends, Brittany, going, Nicole, I'm going to let this go because I know this is how you deal with stuff. But like, you're making so many jokes about killing (laughs) yourself right now. And like, I just know that like, if you need anything, like I'm here for you. And I was like, yeah, no, I know. It's just how I deal with things. And the next day I tried to kill myself. So I do notice that right before I actually like am su- suicidal both times I have there's been an increase in a number of jokes I was making about it like I mm. and I didn't realize that until later on like the last time I ended up in the hospital um, was last February and I remember posting an Instagram post like and literally had <laughs> written on one of the days kill self <laughs> Like posted a picture of it. Oh, it was on Valentine's Day. But it was supposed to be like as a joke. I wrote like right. kill self. I posted a picture and it was supposed to be funny. And then literally a week later, I was suicidal. So like I just. Right. And I, I even hesitate to, to say that because I feel like now if I ever make a joke about killing myself, people are going to be like, oh, no. But I won't be. <laughs> oh, no. I might send you a message like hey, just making sure this is <laughs> It it really is when there's just a significant increase. Like you would know, like I'm like every ten seconds of like huh, I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> like it's it's when I'm like really hitting it hard, right? Not just like occasionally, but um. And it makes sense because it's either in your you're either thinking about it or in your subconscious, right? You yeah. know, so you're gonna you're gonna m- make more more jokes about it. Yeah, and it is me trying to I think like deal with it in a way is that's how you deal with the things that you know are dark in your head you just like make jokes about them so um i realized that was a way of coping with it for me and then when that didn't work you know just tried it (laughs) yeah um but yeah i don't know i feel like back to like the way that the mental hospital was i um i remember my mom telling me like just think of this as like a vacation, like taking time for yourself where you don't have to worry about anything in the outside world, which uh-huh. sounds nice. Right. Um, especially when you're dealing with your mental health, that's really, you don't want to have to deal with anything in the outside world. You don't have to deal. 
like someone is taking care of you that isn't your friends and your mom. You don't feel like a burden on people other than the people in the hospital, which fuck them. And <laughs> and you don't feel like, uh, you know, you, you don't have to go to work the next day. You don't have to deal with anything, which I feel like is why a lot of people don't want to leave. Um, yeah. I think I met a lot of people in there that at first they didn't want to leave. And then by the time it was time for them to leave, they were like, I don't want to leave. Right. And I think it's the same way with jail. <laughs> a lot of the times people. Yeah. Um, there's something, there's something, uh, freeing about not having to worry about everything. Yeah. And again, not being a burden on the people. Uh, that's, how I thought of it was uh, I was like well at least I'm not like a burden on the people around me right now yeah um and really I would just stay in my bed and cry and um it's funny because the girl I shared a room with a girl and she never talked uh-huh like she just would just color at first, I thought she was like a child because she looked very young, but I think we were around the same age. Oh, really? But she never talked, and she would just like color. And then uh, I remember, like, you know, the nurse would come in and ask us questions every once in a while, and that was like the first time I had heard her talk. And then they would like ask her, like, "Are you hearing voices right now?" And she'd be like, "Yes." And I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> and then they were <laughs> like, uh, "Do you feel like?" hurting anyone right now and my eyes would like why like <laughs> this is my roommate <laughs> and then she's like no and I'd be like phew and then uh but we'd never she never talked to me we never talked I would just lay in bed and cry and one day I was like laying in bed just crying hysterically and she walked in she didn't say anything she just went in the bathroom like got some toilet paper and walked over and handed it to me <laughs> to like dry my tears and it was like really sweet <laughs> and like uh we hadn't like said one word to each other but she just like went and like just handed and i felt like that was like what she could do in the moment yeah. like to try and comfort me and i remember being so sad were you expecting that no not at all i didn't even know she like saw me like she uh, she was that in her own world. yeah like i but she, she seemed almost like like a zombie I don't know if that was the medication that they it put her on. It could absolutely be yeah. the medication. Because Which I didn't realize at the time. Right. But I was like, does she even see me? <laughs> like it was it, like she, yeah, she was no, mostly I just coloring and she would, if someone asked her a direct question, she would answer. But then. You didn't try to talk to her. Um, I don't, rem I didn't really try to talk to anybody. You were, yeah. I was isolating myself in there too. I mean, I was the same way. I felt kind of like a zombie, but not because of the medication, just because I and didn't want to be there. Yeah, and I was trying yeah. to kind of disassociate, you know, like I was just kind of like, I, I always say this and people make fun of me, but I tried to just pretend I was in a movie. <laughs> like <laughs> I really was trying to disassociate right. it, my time in there. I was like, like uh, I'm girl interrupted right now or something was like it, that, you know, was your stay there like it was uncomfortable. Was it? I was pretty uncomfortable. I I mean I. What was so bad about that hospital? Um, it's it really didn't feel like the people there cared. Yeah. At all, and um, it didn't seem like they looked at us as like people. Right. Um, more it's just like that. This was their job, and yeah, you know whatever. And um, 
so while I was in there, I just stayed in bed. I didn't really, I didn't eat. You know, they'd come in and be like, oh, it's time for me. And I'd be like, no. <laughs> and then they'd have like activities and stuff that I, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't go to like, there were these like morning groups you were supposed to go to. Yeah, it's it's weird that they were they didn't put another hold on you because they could have put another hold on you to make you uh, like show that you were you were capable of like that you were getting better and stuff. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that they really cared. Doesn't um, sound like it. Which doesn't help your self-esteem when you're in that situation. I've been, <laughs> right. I've, I've been in those hospitals, and I'm like, well, I, I, this was, the, this is the bottom. Yeah. Where's the next step? Yeah. And they're like, I don't give a shit. I'm like, okay, well, wh- wh- I, I don't need you to fucking, you know, uh, uh, fix everything. Just if you could hear me, like, do you care? Because like being in a place where you don't feel like anyone gives a shit. While you are there, literally, I mean, this is a simplified way of putting it, but you're there because you don't think anyone really gives a shit. Yeah. It's not helpful. Yeah. Well, I do remember there were these two ladies that were like just sitting in the hallway by each other all the time. I think they worked. Yeah, they worked there. I don't know if they were like nurses or what the fuck they were. They were were ghosts. But they were. (laughs) Yeah. They were just they were the shining sisters. But I remember making them laugh one time when I was like walking through the hallway. Like they asked me a question, and I answered them, and I made them laugh or whatever. And they were like, "You're funny," and I was like, "Thanks." And then they, uh, they were like, "I don't think you belong in here." And I was like, "I don't either." <laughs> just like walked by, and like so them, I was always like kind of trying to like make snide remarks to make them laugh or whatever. And then they were always telling me like. Uh, one of them was like why are you in here they were like don't be doing stuff that puts you in here they're like you're funny or whatever and then one of them was like you look familiar have you been on tv and i was like no not yet but like hopefully one day yeah and um, it happened but uh yeah they were like they were cool i guess but only to the extent like we i didn't like ta- i just like was like constantly trying to like make them laugh or whatever so that gave me a little bit of joy but um but for the most part, I just kind of walked through. Their li- I never even changed. Like, they let me have, like, one outfit that I could uh. change into. I never even changed out of my hospital gown. I just, like, stayed in the same hospital gown, just, like, wandering around. Like, uh, yeah, I didn't really. People, like, the girls would, like, you know, brush their hair and put makeup on for the day and stuff. I During grooming you hours, I didn't do that. any of that stuff. And um, that's probably, yeah, would have what would have gotten me out with medical advice was if I had done that if stuff you've done and, all that stuff and yeah. tried to socialize and tried to eat. I definitely wasn't eating, but, um, yeah, it, the, I mean, the food isn't great. Oh, the food's <laughs> disgusting. And, uh, I've been to one place gross. where the food was acceptable, but the first place I went to, I did not eat anything. Yeah. I was I like, I ate bread. Yeah. I was like, the I'm bread, not I was like, that looks shit. like bread. <laughs> it tastes close enough to bread. I will eat the fucking bread. I'm but not again, eating it's, anything it's, else. It's in a way where they're not treating you like people. Like, oh, they wouldn't want. They don't care if they get no. good food. Like, <laughs> they just whatever. So, and then yeah, that the kind of first like, in because I would be in my room crying all the time, and they never asked me like if I was okay. Like, what they they would come in and ask me questions like, do you want to hurt yourself? Do you want to hurt someone else? That kind of stuff. But like. No one ever talked to me. Right. I was just kind of like in there crying. They'd be like, are you going to eat? And I'd be like, no. And they'd be like, are you sure? And I'd be like, yeah. 
They'd be like, you need to eat. And I'd be like, no. And then they would leave. Like, Which is fucked up. That's typical of most psych hospitals. Yeah. They're just like, oh, there's a girl in there crying. There's a girl in there screaming. There's a guy in there, like, you know, talking to himself. And that's how it is. And uh, yeah. no one ever, yeah, like, wanted to know about And so the first, like, thing that I felt of compassion in that place was that girl handing me toilet paper to dry my tears. <laughs> And I and then I remember crying when I was leaving because when I was leaving, the day I was leaving, she was she kept talking about how her mom was gonna come pick her up. Like that was uh-huh. the most talkative I had ever seen her. Right. And she's she like, My mom's gonna come that. pick me up. My mom's gonna come pick, pick me up. But I think they had heard she had heard them talking about how my mom was gonna pick I think she was like delusional. She oh, uh, she just she misheard. Or not misheard. I think she was having like I don't know. She kept it, saying it her mom. with your brain. I could see that the wires getting. Yeah. She kept saying her minutes. mom was going to pick her up. And then my mom came to pick me up and she was trying to follow me out the door. And they were like, no, you can't leave. And she was like, no, my mom's here. My mom's outside. I can I can I can hear her. She's outside. She's yelling for me. And like it made me so sad. I was like crying as I was leaving because I was like. It's fucking sad to think you're you're in that horrible place and you think you're leaving and you think your mom's there and they're like, no, she's not here. Yeah. They're telling her she's not here. Imagine thinking that someone's there to, to come pick you up and then these people are telling you, no, she, you must be thinking like that must be so scary. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's horrifying. And so I just I don't know. I left that place just feeling like that's the worst place in the world <laughs> and uh, I never want to go back. Yeah. And um, really felt for everyone who was in there even though i i didn't interact didn't with them, them that much the, your roommate probably really enjoyed being around you i hope so i mean like i would sit and color with her sometimes but yeah she didn't we didn't really talk but yeah uh, but that doesn't mean that i doesn't feel like she, she enjoyed being around you i feel like she felt what i was feeling yeah even though we didn't talk like i could feel that she like understood how i felt and right i could feel that when she you know it yeah, and I, we we I <laughs> like we both just wanted out. Everyone I think wanted out. Of course, I mean yeah, um, that's that's what tends to happen is like people are supposed to be helping you. A lot of times, and I also want to because I've been in a different mental hospitals. This isn't all of them. No, you know what I mean, uh, I've uh, heard because my brother went to a different one. W- do you do you mind saying which one he went to? I don't know which one he okay. went to. I know it was somewhere. It was like in a Cov- Covina or Pomona, somewhere around there. Oh, really? Um, but I, I went to one in that area. Oh, really? It was horrible. Oh, uh, I think he went to a nice one, but because he was saying it was nice, and he was saying it's different than the way one I described, because I was scared when he was going in there he had uh like admitted to his therapist that he was like self-harming um and so she was like i'm gonna give you 24 hours to check into a mental hospital so he got to like choose which one that he went to and that's great um so i think like my mom and him did some like research on yeah you know and i think he had a it wasn't the same hospital a better time (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah, I think the one that I went to, because then uh, I think at one point, oh, I went there again to the same one because it's just what my insurance covered and it was the one that I knew. And um, I remember them saying that the, I don't know if the whole hospital was shut. At, 
I don't know if it was just the psych ward or the whole hospital was being shut down. Within oh, really? they, they basically said it was being shut down within like six months. <laughs> so I think it was just a shitty hospital. So they, yeah, it sounds like it. And they probably <laughs> gave even less of a shit that time. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Did you, do you feel like you learned anything from that experience? Um, I think, I don't know. At this point, I, I can't really remember. I remember coming out and feeling, uh, when I went in, I remember feeling like I didn't belong there. I remember being like, yeah, I'm like sad crazy, but I'm not like crazy crazy, you know? And I remember being like, I I shouldn't be here and whatever. And by the time I left, my tune had kind of changed. Um, because I told this part in my, when I did the storytelling show, I don't tell this part, um, now, but when I did the storytelling thing, I, I remember we did these morning groups, you know, where you're supposed to talk about like your goals or whatever. Your goals, your mood. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember this lady saying that it was her goal to cast spells that could help people. Uh Uh-huh. And I remember going, (coughs) and then the like lady leading the group like gave me a death stare (laughs) because I was like (laughs) laughing at this girl. (laughs) And then I remember thinking later on like at least like even if she thought like she could cast spells or whatever it was for good yeah she she wanted to help people she wanted to be a positive influence people at that time like i was like i felt like i had no purpose and wanted to die i tried to kill myself (laughs) like this lady feels like she has a purpose in life and i just thought i shouldn't be here like we have two different problems, but I'm no more sane than she is. Right. Um, and yeah, I think it, uh, changed a lot of like my views of different, because before this, before my depression, before I realized what it all was, I, I didn't really know much about mental health in general. And I feel like being in a mental hospital was like a crash course on getting to know so many different types of people. There are people who were clearly coming off drugs. Right. There were people who were schizophrenic. There were people who were bipolar. There were people who I had no idea what they had, but it just, there were so many different kinds of people, but they were all good people for the most part, as far as I could tell. And they were all just struggling. And I remember going in there thinking I'm not like these people and leaving thinking I'm exactly like these people and it's okay. Yeah. Um, so a I think lot of, there's a lot of kind people who go into mental hospitals. Yeah. You know, they're, they're also nightmare people. Yeah. The, no, <laughs> you, sure. you know, like I'm not going to say there well, isn't <laughs> even the nightmare people. I remember a specific exchange between two people. One of them, it was a lady who was clearly coming off like meth or something. She was like s- scratching all the time and just like talking to herself. And then there was another guy who I think was like a, a vet, like a war vet or right. something. And they just started and they were both old. So like they were old people and they uh-huh. just like were arguing with each other and, and he was like, you're ugly. And and she was like, you're a f-. like, they were just like, they had no filter. <laughs> so they were just like going at each other. 
but it was like the funniest thing <laughs> like it lightened my mood like it made yeah. my day like you don't you're sad in there like you're really sad so anything that can kind of like that you can find a, a humor in and what's funny is I think they found humor in it. Like I don't. Oh, they probably did. Like it's I, also boring there. Yeah, and like the the nurses were taking it so seriously, like trying to break it up. And I was like, "Why are you breaking this up? It's hilarious." Yeah. And like you just, I I feel like I found ways to like cope by just, for again, first dissociating and pretending like I was in a movie, but also just uh, realizing that there's good and there's humor in it and there's. Uh, you know these uh and we've talked about this before like you're not your mental illness you you can be crazy but also be funny and sweet and they're uh, two separate things absolutely and so uh i think i i learned something about myself like i shed the stigma of my own because like i said i didn't when i was on the medication i didn't want to tell people that I was spiraling because I was like, I don't want people to know that this medication isn't helping me and that maybe I'm broken. And then I think being in there made me realize that like, it's okay. (laughs) It's part of it. Like sometimes, yeah, you just, you need help. And like all these people were, were getting help. And at the time I wasn't. And, um, that, you know, it didn't define who I was. I think I I learned I I guess I learned a lot through that experience. Um, but I definitely never wanted to go back. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's it's horrible. It's horrible to go there. I've been I've been so many, been so many fucking times. But it did make me feel less alone. I think. Yeah, I mean that's the thing when you're talking about the girl who gave you the tissue paper, even though that's the only that's the only exchange you guys really had. That is the one thing that was helpful is like, okay, well the healthcare a lot of the time is actively making it worse. It feels like, mm-hmm. but being around other people and being like, oh shit, okay, well it's, I can see I'm not the only one going through this shit. Yeah, I can see other people are suffering, and that and we and other understand. people who are funny or compassionate or, um, you know, that you wouldn't even expect to see in there, or maybe that you would, but then you learn things about them to where you're like, oh shit, like we're all just people. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it opens your eyes to like a world that maybe you weren't aware of before. Yeah, I think it I think I think it I think it does. I mean, I was I feel like I became very aware of it very young. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Do you do you feel like you have a hard time rel- like cuz you were also talking about feeling alone before and then it actually helped with that feeling of isolation coming out of it. Mhm. Yeah. I mean, well, is it hard to explain to people, though? After I remember after I I don't know if you experienced it and probably because you were in there way longer than I was. But after I came out, I I still felt a little disassociated. I feel like I couldn't really I felt like I just lived in a different world a little bit and like gone through. And then when I came out, it felt weird to to be around like my family again and and also like be around people who knew what happened and had different reactions to it. and coming back into reality i feel like uh-huh. was hard harder than being in there maybe 
like coming out and having to deal with my dad's anger about it yeah. and my mom's feeling of helplessness about it and um then trying i you know trying to go back to open mics where nobody knew it had even right. happened well how did <laughs> I was you like i just went through this whole thing and nobody around me even knows yeah and how did how, i mean like how did you how did you how did you how did you fucking deal with that cuz like i never i just lied to everybody around me for the first 7 years of dealing with it and i honestly i think that's part of the reason i kept going back is i never dealt with the actual reality of what i was doing in the actual world well that's probably what would have happened if i hadn't been already doing comedy um right but yeah i did that show i so the that show i called um at the time do you remember julie weiss i do she was booking that show with kyle ray at that time uh-huh and uh i called her to cancel uh-huh and she was like why and i was like look i just like went through this thing and i'm not really mentally okay right now and i just and she was like well what is it and I told her she was like the second person I told, which was weird because we weren't close at all. Right. <laughs> I didn't really even know her. Yeah. But I was like, I think that made it easier to tell her was that she wasn't close to me. Yeah. And I could just be like, well, here's what happened. And she was like, you should talk about it on stage. And I was like, what? No. <laughs> she was like, no, I mean, you don't have to, but like you should. you should. She's like, I'll give you extra time if you want to work it out. She was like, but you know like whatever you need like it doesn't even need to be funny just like go on stage and talk about it it's a storytelling show yeah and she finally convinced me after maybe like an hour or two on the phone and um so i did and there were some comics there and actually two of my friends came to the show and that was the first they had heard about it two of my like best one of the ones but they were stoked to hear it that way one of the ones was the one that said at the party the night before, I know this is how you deal with things and whatever. But, but she's sitting there cracking up during yeah. the whole thing. And afterwards, I remember hugging her and being like, I'm so sorry to find out. How. She's like, honestly, it was probably the best way I could have found out. She's like, it's a relief <laughs> to hear jokes about it. Yeah. And uh, and it again, like it was just I think I had like the best set of the night, like I was just, which yeah. I was worried about because honestly, I was the third suicide story of the night, which also made me feel better. Like two people had already gone up before right. me and told stories about their suicide attempt. Yeah. And mine was the best one. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah. But uh, nobody actually knew how recent it was. I don't think um, maybe they did. I don't remember if I had said, but it was really therapeutic to make people laugh with the story you know like it wasn't just i talked about what was leading up to it i talked about the actual attempt and then i talked about kind of my time in the mental hospital and yeah afterwards i went in the bathroom and i was shaking and crying but like in a good way like it was a release like i felt like that felt like the start to my assimilation back in because i was like now i've said it out loud to people outside of that world didn't hurt me yeah and it didn't hurt me in fact i made people laugh and then my friends came up and hugged me and were like you're you know you were so good and they didn't even though i just said this thing they didn't treat me any different they were like oh you were so funny right and like we're always here for you and like it was very yeah it was therapeutic and then 
two weeks later, I had a roast battle. That was the f- only time I had talked about it. I still hadn't told anyone in my friend group. Like, yeah. I just did it in that room, in the belly room. It was that one night out. Yeah. Uh, to a bunch of strangers and maybe some comics I didn't know that well. Um, I know them well now. Like, I think, like, Pat Reagan was in there. Okay. <laughs> and, like, yeah. uh, and, like, some other people. But what I didn't because uh leah nauer was also on the show and i didn't know her at all but she was friends with the girl i was roast battling uh-huh. and i guess told her uh-huh and i hadn't told that girl <laughs> and so i was not prepared to have a joke about it said right. in front of everyone and that was the thing was like it wasn't even that i wasn't ready to hear a joke about it because i had made jokes about it right it was that there were certain people that i wasn't ready to talk about talk to about it yeah with and also when she made the joke she didn't really get all the like facts right like she yeah the setup was like nicole tried to kill herself because she couldn't get a boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) which for sure is not the reason (laughs) um and that was like embarrassing i guess and like uh, that's that's one of the reasons I don't do roast battle anymore is I don't need I was like just because I make jokes about it doesn't mean I want to hear other people fuck up details yeah. publicly yeah I on think things that I can barely talk about for some reason that's what frustrates me the most is when people like it's like yeah make a joke about it but at least get get the facts straight yeah it's disrespectful to fuck it like if it's just li- if it's a little if it's a little miscommunication or didn't you know you know what i mean yeah like and it was just because that's what made her punchline work it was like even suicide couldn't commit or something like that right but like uh and don't get me wrong i this person is uh i'm friends with and she's cool and we yeah. get along i get along, and i wasn't mad at all i it was just you know, it had just it's overwhelming. happened. Yeah. It had just happened. I wasn't ready to talk about it with everyone quite yet. And at yeah. that point it was out there. Right. And so people were asking me about it and I was forced to confront it maybe earlier than I wanted to. Yeah. But I think that did help in a way. Um, that I was just kinda out there with it, you know, then I did the Roast Battle podcast and I talked about it and um, then I had people reach out to me and be like, I've gone through this too. And that I started to realize that talking about it was what helped because people would <laughs> then talk to me about their experiences and then I didn't feel so alone. And then I isolated myself less. Right. Well, and that was going to be my next question for you. It's so funny because I feel like you're there's there's a you you just you just go and you talk and you explain everything and i have questions lined up like well she just answered the question (laughs) she just you know i feel like i feel like i haven't had to ask you much of anything uh (laughs) this episode because you're just going from thing to thing to thing but uh which is great it's great um but i i mean i was gonna ask you like what um like what is your for people who aren't comedians what is your advice to people who are in this who have that mindset or getting out of a psych ward or maybe thinking about they need to go into one. I think any way that you can, it doesn't have to be comedy, but any way you can express yourself, whether it be writing or, um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's so many different ways of coping that involve, expressing the way you're feeling even if you don't really know how you're feeling right 
um, in a way that makes you comfortable. Yeah. Because it's not always comfortable to say to someone you love, I need help and I feel so sad I could die. <laughs> you know, like right. that's not an easy thing to say. But for me, I was making jokes about it. For someone yeah. else, they might write a song. For someone or else, poem, or, or a poem, a painting, and uh, it seems I don't know because I not everyone maybe has that creative side, but any way that you can communicate. You, what's funny is I feel like I uh, I've said a lot of things to my dad. My dad listens to a lot of podcasts that I'm on. Uh huh. And I'll say things on the podcast that I've never said to him, but like I'll say it and then we'll have a discussion about it later because he listened to the podcast. Right. And that's my way of communicating other than being directly to is it what's weird, like, but communicating in any way that you can. And um, I know that sometimes it's hard maybe to people you love, but like I said, one of the first people I told about my suicide attempt was someone I wasn't even that close to. Yeah. Um, no, I do the same thing. And yeah, because it's, uh, I don't know why sometimes it's easier to talk to like a complete stranger. I mean, I have a theory and I don't know if it's true, but like, I think, I think for me, cause there's things that I, uh, recent things I've, I told people that either I wasn't close with or lived far away before I told anyone who I was close with. And it's because either through distance emotionally or distance physically, it's like, well, there's no the idea of abandonment is more distant mm. as well. Yeah, if and you, you can leave, gauge someone's reaction before yeah. you tell someone that it might actually hurt if they react yeah. a certain way. And like telling telling somebody something uh, that was that was horrible and them, you know, maybe that freaks them out and they don't want to be associated with you or something like that. Like, oh, well, if you're not close, you know, uh, I mean, obviously, there's usually there's some level of closeness yeah. But not being incredibly close, it's like, well, if if this d- friendship disappears, that'll suck, but not as bad as if I told this person and they disappear. Right. I think that's a big part of what it is. At yeah. least for me. I can only speak for me. Because I think I've done that a lot, is that I've talked to people who I'm not necessarily that close with about things before actually talking to people that I am. Oh, yeah. The shit I've admitted to just people at a bar that I've n- I'll never see again. Well, you know, and I think, and I know it's not maybe something you believe in, but I think that's maybe why therapy is helpful. It's someone, it's an outside party. Right. Who's objective and whose job it is to sit there with an open mind. And yeah. Um, someone you can admit all your darkest thoughts to. Right. That can help you make sense of them without, you know, you fearing like you're going to ruin your relationship with them because you're literally yeah. paying them to sit there and listen to your darkest thoughts. I also want to clarify, I'm not anti-therapy. I just, I went through a bunch of therapy and I'm anti-therapy for me. Yeah. Well, I have I know too many friends that it has helped for I me to be like, I know a lot of people who went through a lot of therapy as kids who now don't really... Not believe in it, but they think like, well, they couldn't help me before I'm too right. this or I'm too that. Because uh, my dad is that my dad had was like forced into therapy as a kid because he was like went through a lot of stuff. And uh, so I think that's what kind of turned him off of it. Same with my boyfriend. Same with uh, 
a lot of people I know. With your friend Tom. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, yeah. I think especially as as a kid, if you're forced into that, then it you just see it differently than if you voluntarily go into it as an adult. Yeah. And I've also I've also and I've 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 discovered this now that I've had the opportunity to talk to people who are in mental health care now mm-hmm. as friends, not seeing them professionally, but as friends and the, d- telling them some things and them going, that should have never fucking happened. They weren't allowed to do that. Yeah. They should <laughs> never have said that. You know, they should Absolutely. have never. And that makes me more hopeful for mental health care in the future. Well, right. I, like I said, it's a fairly new. It is. We haven't been studying it nearly as long as physical ailments. And so hopefully, eventually, um, it, yeah, it'll get better. And I'm a friend of mine who is right now finishing up her master's. Or I think she just finished her master's and she's doing like her clinical work right now for being a therapist. Um, she listens to my podcast and listen to your episode and listen. Uh-huh. She was like, I love how much she's like, I thought it'd be funny to like listen to scripts and stuff. She's like, but you talk a lot about mental health. Yeah. It's awesome. Too. No, it's I think that's helpful too. In instances like this where people can just listen to people who have maybe gone through what they've gone through, maybe something different, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the reason I, I created this podcast specifically, you know, it, it's a lot of it is for personal reasons yeah. where I'm still dealing with, you know, uh, the concepts of isolation and leaving a religion and, and the mental health and, and all of that stuff. And I was like, I, I'm curious how other people dealt with it. I, I want to talk to other people who fucking went through some shit and do feel you think like this is helping found. you with your isolation? Because I know you isolate yourself. I do, and I'm very comfortable. I'm very good at it. Yeah. I'm very comfortable <laughs> about it. Um, but I think it had. I think I felt very. Al- I felt very alone in a lot of different ways, and I think so far. I mean, this is still brand new. This is only the fourth episode. Yeah. You know, you're pretty. You're you're you're. Um, you were the four, fourth episode on mine. Hey, hey, number four, fours. <laughs> um, but I think it does. It does help. It definitely does help me in hearing their process in changing. It sounds like you're still in your process and figuring out. Oh yeah, do you know? And it sucks because. There have been so many times where I like I think I'm cured. Like I think I'm. I think I figured it out. I think I'm doing great. Uh, like I, I, it's it's sad because like after last year, last year at the beginning of the year, like the first half of the year, I don't know why I feel like I always struggle in the first half of the year. I don't know what it is. See, it's it, it could be seasonal because for me it's it's uh it's April May, and then August September. Me. Yeah, me too. Me too. I around August. Well, August was when I tried to kill myself. Yeah, and it is always around August, September, maybe a little bit of October, and then I kind of start to pull out. It's it's weird. It's always around the same times of year, and I don't know what that is, but it's weird that we have a, a little yeah, bit of the, the same s- times sum- of year. Yeah, summer and winter. Yeah, fine. It's the spring and. It's honestly, it's it's when the seasons change. When it goes from winter to spring, mm-hmm. it it picks up for me. That's interesting. And when it goes from summer to fall, and I don't know what it is about 
those times that it would be that way. But and we'll also April, May. That's around both of our birthday. I oh, that for sure has. Yeah, it. yeah <laughs> that for sure does. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know what that is. But uh, well, I hear I've I've been told for adolescent it's very common time to start going because the stress of the school year ending and finals and all mm. of that. But not my your you weren't in school when you did it. it no, I had just uh, graduated. Yeah, and I had so many in that same time frame after I dropped out of school. You know, like in 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 my adulthood. So well, you know what's weird is now that you say like going from cold to hot, and I don't know if this is it, but I've noticed the most triggering times in my life have been when I'm going through any kind of change. Like I said, when I yeah. moved out for the first time, and then also when I moved back home going through a break any kind of change in like moving change is horrifying moving switching situations schools relationship whatever like any kind of change has been what's triggering for me so maybe even a weather change is triggering i don't know what it is there i mean there's seasonal affective disorder where i mean usually it's the winter gets you you know yeah but i mean your surroundings definitely do affect you and it, it's getting a getting a pulse you know getting a pulse on it and identifying your triggers yeah. And at least knowing, like, because if you don't know why you're feeling a certain way, then you're feeling that way, and then you have the anxiety and the feeling of worthlessness based around yeah, why. Yeah. But if you can at least identify it, then you can also, like, some sometimes things will happen, like, okay, in two weeks or two days or in a couple hours, I'm going to get really, really unexplainable depressed yeah and it's because i never react on time to anything yeah and i'll just kind of tell myself like it has nothing to do as it, it, it this is why it's gonna fuck you up in about two to three days or a week you well know? i personally figured out and you will not be able to relate to this i know this for a fact okay i personally figured out that my depression gets really bad around my period yeah <laughs> My menstrual cycle. See, I could relate. Affects <laughs> it. Affects it a lot. And I guess men have some kind of cycle, too, that probably maybe like some hormonal cycle. But I didn't even realize this until much later on in the process of being medicated and all this stuff that eventually I realized, like, oh, this always gets really, really bad. Anytime I've been literally suicidal or really, really fucked up, it's been right before my period. And I expressed that to my psychiatrist and I was like, is that crazy? And she's like, no, that's like extremely common. Of course, your hormone levels are going to affect how you feel. Absolutely. That's also that's another reason. I mean, this is I always say if you have mood disorders or depression or anything like that, stop eating soy. Do not eat soy because it produces hormones. It produces estrogen it's got photoestrogen so if you're already emotional and it's especially bad for men but women too you're not supposed to pump your body unless it's under medical supervision and recommended by a doctor you shouldn't be getting more estrogen than is your your body's producing unless a medical professional has told you similar to birth control when Mm. i went on birth control i went crazy (laughs) yeah because it messes with your hormones it messes with your hormones and and like i said what what really when I really started to get bad was around puberty. So I yeah. know a lot of what I deal with is hormonal. A lot of it. Me, I mean, it, it, puberty was, yeah, it was the same same with me. Puberty S- definitely fucked me up. So uh, I actually have to double my dosage of antidepressants 
the week during. before my period and during. But um, see, that's beautiful that you're you know that and you're able to see it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know how to overcompensate for it. Yeah. And that those are just like mental health care. I think when you finally are willing to get help, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, what's the solution? I mean, you said that yourself. You're like, okay, you gave me the solution, it didn't work. That's not how it works. You find just every hack you can. Yeah. To to make it a little bit easier. I'm also glad I got to talk about this because <laughs> I feel like people are so dismissive of like, oh, what do you want your period? And it's like your period can fuck you up. <laughs> completely there is fuck a, them up. There is a uh, there's actually a disorder called PMDD. Right, I've heard of it. Yeah, and uh, it, God, it can yeah, it can get really really bad, and uh, it's. It's great. Like I, I made a joke like that. Uh, someone's gonna like find me in a pool of my own blood, and they're gonna be like, "What did she stab herself?" And they're gonna be like, "No, she overdosed." But it's day two, <laughs> like over period. <laughs> but um, cause cause every time I've been suicidal, it's been the exact that exact point in my cycle, and so right. it's be good to be able. You have to be able to track everything when your mood. It, th- that's why they have you. When I did that intensive program, they had me track my mood every single day to figure out like what are the patterns what are the triggers that kind of stuff so i think that's definitely helpful it's a lot of work it's so much work but that's that's just part of mental health care is it's a fuck ton of work and that's but the worst part that's what it makes it worth living it does but then when i i feel like when i backslide that it makes it that much more because i'm like i'm putting in all this work and it's exhausting yeah and 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 there are times where i feel like oh my god i feel so much better but then when I backslide, it makes it that much more like, am I ever going to be better? Because I've put in all this work. I'm on the right medication. I'm tracking my triggers. I'm in therapy. I'm, I thought I made all this progress. And now I feel like I'm back to square one. And so it gets really exhausting. I say this a lot. And I tell... I, I say, good God. My whole house is always falling apart. <laughs> I say this all the time, uh, both to myself and my friends, like, you're not going to cure this. Yeah. The goal is to make the good moments and extend them mm-hmm. and take the moments of bad and suicide and shorten them and make right. them less intense. Yeah. You're it's not trying. There's no solution. It's definitely been less intense. And I still have. Which is success, which means your work is paying off. Yeah. And you should be proud of well, that. Well, remember those thoughts that I told you before me getting all suicidal was I'm unlovable. I'm this. And yeah. I still have those thoughts all the time. I'm of unlovable. Course. I'm never going to oh, be happy. I do too. I'm never going to, whatever. Yeah. But it doesn't get to the point where it's like, I should kill myself. It gets to the point where I'm like, I'm going to wallow in this for a little while. And then I'm going to, you know, and then I, I I'm pull out, get of, out it. of it. Yeah. Um, I but don't that means let your work is them. working. Yeah, absolutely. It's still frustrating. A hundred percent. Like I said, like we're just talking percent. about. I'm going through it right now, and it's frustrating because, like, I want I want so badly to be better. Like, people get this idea that like people who are, and I think I have been like this too, where I've been so comfortable in my depression that I just wanted to stay there. Right. Or when I've come out of it, I've kind of missed it a little bit. I'm past that. Yeah. I don't want it. I don't want it, over it. Especially the way it affects the people around me. I don't want people to feel helpless around me. I don't want to bring other people's <sighs> mood down. Um I'm living with a significant other right now. Like it's hard 
I want to hide it. I want to hide. Don't hide it in my room. Yeah. <laughs> or and and I want to not be a burden on the people around. I want to be fun. I want to be funny. I want to people you've, to want to be around me. You've suffered already. You paid your dues. Yeah. That's how I that that feeling definitely helped me get through when shit was real bad is I was just like you know people fa- I, I saw other people kind of fantasizing over the, the tortured artists and stuff mm-hmm. and I just like I've I've been through enough yeah I have if you need pain to produce art which I don't think you do but if you do I have a backlog of shit that I'm not going to be able to get through yeah I don't think this lifetime uh, so I, I'm good. Yeah. And and it's it's if you want to turn pain into art, you got to be s- trying to fight away the pain in order for that to be effective. Seeking it out will destroy you. It does make me really angry that I feel like a lot of people kind of um, what do you call it? Fetishize. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it makes me furious. Depression and mental illness, and it's not cute it's not beautiful it's not like it's no it's horrible it's it's exhausting and it sucks and it sucks (laughs) and i just i want to not deal with it anymore yeah the 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 people who fetishize it are don't they don't they i don't they don't they maybe they just haven't gone through enough yet to realize how horrible it, I mean people who have it right yeah and it's a lot sometimes it's a lot of it's mostly artists who think it contributes to other or want to be artists who contribute they think it contributes to the art yeah you read Bukowski or whatever and uh, those fucking well people quote Van Gogh all the time <laughs> and yeah, I so. love Van Gogh and I always bring up he never heard himself while he was painting. Yeah. He escapes. That's the thing. I never do my best comedy when I'm in those. Because when you're in those moments, yeah. you're not even getting out of bed. Like, you're not. Yeah. I'm not, like, sitting there, like, writing beautiful, <laughs> beautiful jokes. I'm not sitting there writing beautiful dick jokes <laughs> <laughs> while I'm cry- I'm sitting there literally scream crying and wishing my life was over. It's not. It's. My best work has been done when I come out of those. Yeah. And sure, you can access pain you felt in the past, and you don't have to be depressed to do that. Everyone has pain. For sure. Everyone has a past that you can access. But you don't even have to do that to be funny. You just be funny. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but it, it is a co- it's a coping mechanism, for sure. But you don't have to use that coping mechanism in order to be good. Right. I I've I have lost periods of time due to yeah depression. Oh, I think I could I be, be so much better I and be further so much along further if I had in my career if I didn't have panic attacks responding to emails. Yeah, I have not responded to people saying, "All right, uh, I want to book you." Hey, what can you get back to me? And I have not responded because I'm just like I I I'm depressed and I have anxiety and responding will give me more anxiety. I mean, I'm not in that place right now, but I've had those periods. Yeah, or just getting... I've been so... One of my biggest symptoms of my depression that's been the hardest thing to work through. I've worked through a lot of stuff, but I still have not worked through, like, my low self-esteem and self-hatred 
And I think that's really at the core of everything for me. And but now you know what to work on. Yeah, but it's hard. It's like, okay, I know the problem. Now what do I do about it? You know what I mean? And yeah. I still have all these thoughts of like, I suck. I don't deserve anything I have. I'm ugly. I'm fat. I'm not funny. I, Whatever goes through my head, I'm unlovable. I'm right. stupid. Everything that goes through my head, I could go on and on and on <laughs> about oh, the I stuff that you. goes through my head. And that stuff has prevented me from going for stuff. It's prevented me from doing shows. It's prevented me from going out. There was, I think I've told you this, there was a, like, not even two months ago, I felt like I was so hideous and so fat. And, like, a- after the fact, I can look back and be like, you're ridiculous. But at the time... I was I was like I'm so hideous and so fat and so disgusting. I shouldn't even go outside. No one should be able to look at me, like be forced to look at me. I shouldn't be eating. I just stayed in bed not eating and like crying every time I looked in the mirror. Like it's that bad. Right. When I get into that mode, like that's how I feel about myself. And that's what I need to work on <laughs> because that's what's prevented me from doing pretty much anything. Yeah, because uh, how are you gonna do anything when you don't even think you're worth shit? Like, I'm never gonna, you know, apply to this festival if I think I suck. Sure. I'm never gonna go for this writing job if I think that, you know, I don't deserve it. Um, oh so. no, we 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 yeah no, I mean we deal with the we deal with the same stuff, and it's so it's so you know it's so I mean I, I'm gonna say this in the intro, you've been on television you've written for netflix you've you've done all this stuff yeah and i think it's proof that it doesn't that's not what validates you it's It's not and it's internal i'm still trying to figure out how to do that how to internally you explore and you 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 have you have paths in your brain i was talking i forget who i was talking i think i was talking to jessa reed who i'm going to get on here eventually but she was talking about there are these neural pathways Mm -hmm. patterns of thinking yeah and there are ways to reprogram it. Yeah. No, absolutely. But at the same time, you also, because I remember when I was really, I mean, I, of course I still beat myself up. Yeah. But it used to be incredibly bad. And yeah. it was finally, and I thought it was helping me be better. Mm. I thought it was helping me be, I beat myself up because I was like, you deserve this and you'll overcome it. And then you'll even be better because you don't. I think I think that way too because that's how. My dad was really hard on me when yeah. I was a kid. And I think he thought that that was helping me. Like that that right. would motivate me to say, you can't do this. You're it, too this. You're too that. He thought that was motivating. Because yeah, I, I yeah. did have this thought as a kid where I just wanted to impress him. And I wanted my dad to accept me. Dad. So all I did was watch me. Watch me, you know. Right. But now that voice has become my voice, I think. and Yeah, no, that absolutely happens. And I think, I, but, but once you recognize that that voice isn't helpful that voice makes you worse not better mm-hmm. and you go and it's not just consciously knowing it but internally knowing like this way of speaking to myself won't help me right you will find a way internally to go all right how do i chop this out and muffle it and and keep it from becoming the main voice yeah and that's i mean like i can i i can only speak from my experience and also I mean, I, 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 I feel like I failed out of therapy, if that makes <laughs> sense. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, 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 
I don't know who gave up on who first, me or the uh, giving up on the doctor. The doctor gave up on me, but it, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, these are kind of conclusions I made on my own. So I could be giving bunk advice. I don't know, but I think that's that's part of it. Um, from 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 my perspective, at least. And I mean, I'm also curious. You know, uh, at some point, I want. I you know, once you figure out what does work for you. As long as you know that there's a way to work through this and you're going to figure you out. Yeah. As long as you're aware of that, you will do it. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely. I you mean, you have to believe that you can and uh, I mean this sounds very corny and shit, but like if you have that in your head that I'll figure me out and I'll figure out what's going on wrong and what I have to change. I mean that's once again that's part of why I did this podcast. I want to hear about people changing. Yeah. Because I used to never believe people could change. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I I definitely, while I, again, I backslide, it's definitely been a lot better. And I have found little ways. I just, it's hard. I feel like, I feel like if I wasn't in a relationship right now, it wouldn't bother me as much. Uh-huh. But being in a relationship is like having a mirror put up to your face. Like someone's right. around you all the time, especially when you live with them. Someone's around you all the time seeing what you're like all the time. And in this instance, it's like when you're constantly saying, I'm a loser, I'm a failure, I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm this, I'm that. And they are constantly trying to convince you that you're not. That can be so frustrating and and heavy on another person. And then I just feel guilty about that. And then I beat myself up about that. And um, whereas before I would just isolate because no one wants to hear all that shit. Now I feel like I'm putting that on another person. And then now I'm feeling guilty about that. And then I'm worried he's going to leave. And then I'm going to like it's. Uh, so I think that's been amplifying it for me. Right. Um, and I don't know. It's it's really. It's it's not fair to put all your insecurity on another person. And so I'm trying to work on it even harder because I don't want it to ruin something wonderful that I have. Right. Um, because insecurity is it's oh God, it's so tough to deal with. And um I will say though, it's very important that you don't do it for that reason. Not saying you you are but you have to kind of dismiss that thought and do it for you because basically that's you putting pressure on yourself that's not going to help you get it done more effectively or more you know what i mean you got to do it for 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 you because if, if if you're afraid that's what's going to fuck it up yeah it will. i mean though it's true i well, my depression in general, I, I'm always afraid is going to ruin friendships, it's going to ruin this, it's going to ruin that. But, you know, insecurity has really been my main thing. And I'm, like, honestly, even with uh, with my friendships, like, like Keith, uh, Carrie, I feel like he gets exhausted with me sometimes when I'm like constantly just, if it makes you feel better, he's gotten exhausted with me quite a few times. <laughs> beating so. up on myself. It's not easy when you love someone and they're constantly beating up on themselves. No, it's not. And it's, uh, if that's, if me not wanting to burden other people with that is what 
you know, makes me work on it harder than, I don't know. Right. I think that's okay. Uh, But you're right. I mean, I'm exhausted with it too. I don't want to feel that way about myself. I just don't know how to to pull myself out of that. Um, Because like you said, no matter what I do, it hasn't helped. I could lose 30 pounds and get fake tits and be like the hottest woman on the planet and still I would feel like garbage and ugly and um, and I could be the most famous comedian with a million writing jobs and still feel like I didn't deserve it right and and I know that and I think the little things that have helped me um one of them has been and I told I've told a couple of people this and I don't like I don't like telling people this is like advice because I feel like it I don't want people to think that I'm saying if you're depressed, you're ungrateful. Because I think some people take it that way when I say that what has helped me in my depression uh-huh. is literally writing down every day things that I'm grateful for. No, I think that's a great exercise. And I'm not saying like, oh, you're just depressed because you're ungrateful. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. But I, it does. Uh, yeah. It helps change your because when you're depressed, you're thinking a certain way. It snaps you out of that pattern and reminds you of good things. Even just writing down, I don't know, yeah, something that makes you think about something else other than whatever negative spiral you're going down. When I write down, I have a mom who has been there for me. for. I have had this writing job. I've been doing comedy for less than four years, and I've already been given these opportunities by these amazing people. I have the support of... Tom and Keith and all my friends and I have a loving boyfriend and all that when it's almost impossible to to not smile when you're writing down some of the like my friends I remember that when I started writing down like just the friends that I have and what they've done for me and I like I legitimately cheesily smile when I was going down a spiral I took out a notebook and just wrote stuff down and by the end of it I was smiling because it made me think of all the stuff that that I have. That is good. Yeah. And no, that's not going to work for everyone. That's not going to work maybe when you're deep into a spiral because at that point sometimes you're just not even thinking clearly. Right. But it's something little that I've found to do every day that might help even a little bit to uh, change what you're thinking before you go down even yeah. further. No, I think that's that's great advice, and I we should we should wrap it up. Yeah, I was like, I feel like I'm probably <laughs> taking up way too much oh, time. Oh, this will be. This oh, it's it, yeah. This will be this will be the longest one we've done so far, but that's that okay. tracks. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> There's no time limit or time extension on this, but no, this was this was this was great. I I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you did it. What where can uh, where can people find you? Um, at Nicole Buchanan on Instagram and Twitter, and you can check out my podcast, Screw Ups Podcast. Yeah, Screw Ups is Screw Ups is great, and you should you should listen to it. And it's you know it's it's more it's I'd say it's most episodes are more jokey than the episode we just did right now. It really depends. I was I, like I was saying, it, each episode kind of has a different vibe. There have been right. ones that have been really serious. There have been ones that have been really helpful to me. By the end of it, I just like felt better. It was like there, yeah. uh, Ramsey Badawi. Uh, did it recently and we talked about like financial yeah um his financial screw-ups or whatever like every episode is someone talking about their biggest screw-up or screw-ups in life 
And that was when I could just really relate to because racking up credit card debt, student debt, and then just burying my head in the sand about it. And the more you bury your head in the sand about it, the more it blows up in your face. For sure. So talking through that and uh, that was like honestly like therapeutic for me. And I went out the next day and like took care of some, sh- of some shit that I had been avoiding taking care of. Yeah. Um, and then some of them, yeah, they're just silly and some, you know, people doing stupid shit some of them are just comedy scripts but yeah there have been definitely some yours and uh but those are the ones that people like uh, like come up to me about and they're like wow that really helped me your episode kelly ryan's episode um there there have been a few that uh people come up to me about that i think the more the more serious ones people really like but yeah it's just it's the whole point is we screw up and then we get through it and uh, everything it, we come out the other side. Same with depression. You go For through sure. it, and you come out the other side. Yeah. You just gotta, you know, no. stick through it. But it's it's a it's a good show. I've I've listened I've listened to a couple episodes, and it's a good show, and people should listen to it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and thank you for listening to this. Sorry, that it was. I think it's about two hours and twenty minutes, if I'm not wrong. Wow, we <laughs> had a yeah. reset at one point, so it could be it could be short. But this is this is a long one. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. How do you feel? Good. Yeah.